0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Mike Barron, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Epic Marvel podcast. This is Punisher episode three, Kingpin Rules, covering a period of the Punisher from 1988 to 1989. I'm your host, Curtis Finley.
1: And I am your Punisher host, Chris Marshall of the Collected Comics Library.
0: And it has been a while since we spoke, probably about a year ago since our last Punisher episode, so I thank you for being back on the show, Chris. Glad to have you.
1: Yeah, it's great to be here. This is so much fun, so let's get into more Punisher talk.
0: Yeah. So what are we talking about in this episode?
1: Well, as you said, it's Volume 3 from 88 to 89, covering Punisher 11 through 25, and also Annuals 1 and 2, which cover the Evolutionary War and Atlantis Attacks.
0: Yeah, the era. This is the era of uh, of annual crossovers when Marvel decided that they would try and put little little serialized stories sort of throughout all of the different annuals to, I guess, entice you to buy every single one of them. Right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, they and they usually ran through a lot of the annuals in the '80s and early '90s, and some are better than others, as we know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Yeah, but before we get into that, uh, I kind of want to mention this beautiful back cover by Joe Jusko on the uh, Epic Edition itself. On the back cover. It is just incredible. I love the back cover. Yeah. And of the three Punisher books that we've done so far... Uh, the back cover has got the best cover of them all, I think, right now. So, it's great. He's it's just, just uh, Joe yeah. Jusco's art was just incredible. So yeah,
0: what's striking about this one is the lighting, the harsh light on the uh, on yeah. the left side of Frank's face, and, yes. and it really, really intensifies his angry expression by placing the the, the harsh contrast of both sides, um, and then just great pose. He, yeah, Joe Jusco's a fantastic artist, and I got to meet him at Comic Con. In 2017, uh, because he IDW had just put out a book of his work and he
1: was doing a lot of signing and he's a really nice guy. Oh, yeah, he's great. And and on the top of it, it says delivering justice from New York to Japan. But (laughs) as we know, uh, Frank is just about all over the world in this book. He goes down to Mexico and Bogota and. Uh, Australia, Australia. even. (laughs) He is all over the place.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but New York and Japan are the two main story arcs in this volume. There are two definite main focuses, and those are the two for sure. Yeah, is there anything from the previous volume that we need to know that carries over to this volume?
1: Not really. You know, we ended at 10 with uh, his um, run-in with Daredevil Um, from that perspective, which was a great, uh, great story in and of itself. And we start out now with uh, annual number one from 1988, the ev- Evolutionary War uh, tie-in. So, is that how you wanted to start with that one? I mean, do you, do you have any other comments? And we'll just go right into this uh, annual. I think I
0: just want to say also that this is the middle of Will Sportasio's run. Uh he, yes. he started, did he start in the previous volume? Yeah, he did start in the previous volume. And he, he finishes up yeah. here. Uh, and then it also collects the entirety of Eric Larson's run on this book as well. And, Which is a real treat. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, it's great. Qu- quite yeah. something. So I have um, a comment from an interview with Eric Larson that I did a while back that I'll play when we get to his issues. And um, I have got some comments from Mike Barron from an interview I did with him, too. You can find both of those interviews if you head over to EpicMarvelPodcast.com and look up my uh, my index, my episode index. Uh, you'll be able to find those. And uh, I have been really trying to track down Wills Portasio for an interview, but uh, he keeps delaying because he's actually a very busy guy. A lot of Comic Con or a lot of convention uh, appearances and just deadlines and work that he's doing. So I uh, n- didn't get anything in time for this episode, but I hope to catch up with him and then I'll get a, a Punisher episode, uh, like an interview with him eventually, hopefully sometime soon. Yep. So right before uh, we jump into the issues, I have a couple of listener comments that I I asked on Facebook if people would give me some comments about this particular volume, this epic collection. So Sean says, this is the peak of the 80s Punisher for me. Great art. Loved the Kingpin story, especially the Punisher being a substitute teacher. Yes, that was (laughs) a great, uh, great issue. Uh, Just an observation, he says, but these early Punisher stories seem to have supporting characters who die. Hanging out with the Punisher is not good for your health.
1: (laughs) Yes, I would agree. Oh, yeah.
0: And that's not just early Punisher. That's like all Punisher. You just, uh, it's not really a good idea to hang around with him very much. (laughs) Um, And then Mark says, solid art and story. This was the peak of the first Punisher ongoing. Helped put some creators on the map. I was buying these off the rack, so I have great love and nostalgia for these stories. Were you buying these ones off the rack too, Chris?
1: Um, I yes, I was actually. Yeah, this is. I mean, I think I mentioned um, in our first podcast. Uh, I had rec- I've gotten the miniseries and number one at a comic convention. That's right. Uh, when I was a young kid, and then I just kept on getting them, and then over the years I kind of lost track, and I eventually tracked everything down through comic book conventions or, um, you know, even online, uh, eBay or other stores on that, but I've got a complete run of all issues in, uh, in a comic book form. Nice. Yep. That's fantastic. And now I'm recollecting them in the epic epi- epi collections. So yeah. it's great.
0: Okay. Well, let's go into annual number one. This is the Evolutionary War tie-in. And let me just say before we get into this issue that I, I kind of actually like the way that they did these uh, these huge crossover ones because this story is is actually fairly standalone. Uh, it, yes. You don't have to have read issues from the other uh, annuals in order to to, to to understand and appreciate this story. Um, appreciate maybe is the wrong word for, for it because it's not a great story. But... Um, <laughs> But it, it's still it's it's part of this ongoing this bigger picture, but you can plunk, plunk yourself right in there and still have a good time, and uh, and that's the same with the other annual as well. They 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 do a good job of just uh it's just a story, and Mike Barron is on this one, right? He's the writer, so it's and still, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it feels like a Punisher story. Uh, do you want to give us a brief recap
1: of uh, what happens in this one? Well, yeah, I, I just wanted to mention, you know, this is something that uh, when they whenever they do the annuals, you always get like a different artist or a different uh, writer for something like this. But, yeah. So Bar- Mike Barron is on it. He's your main writer. And then they brought in Mark Teixeira to do the art. Um, and also Scott Williams on the inks and Jim Novak letters, Janet Jackson colors, Carl Potts is editor. And then Tom DeFalco is uh, our, uh, the editor in chief. Pretty it's much the regular out, team. It is pretty much right. So. This starts out pretty much as, as you said, a standalone Punisher issue. He is down in Bogota, Colombia, looking for drug lords and, and doing what the Punisher does. And I, and and then along comes. This is just my observation, right? So here they have this great Punisher story. I mean, Punisher has been around down south before, and this is what he does: going after bad guys. And I'm sure that that, that this story came across Tom DeFalco's desk or Carl Potts' desk, and they said. Hey, this is what we have in mind for an annual. And then DeFalco turns back and says, oh, this is great. We're going to do the evolutionary war tie-in. Let's throw in some robots and we'll <laughs> do it, you know, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll tie it in that way. Because if you, read, if you were to pick this up as a Punisher fan back, back in the day, it starts out, Curtis, I mean, the first three, four, five pages is your Punisher story. And then, you know, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these robots come in and then you're thrust into this, like, what the heck is going on in this story? So if you were to pick up Punisher for the first time or even pick up this epic collection for the first time, if this is your first forte in a a Punisher, you know, you're like, this is not good stuff. You know, this is what is going on here. I guess. And then it gets good. You know,
0: (laughs) if it depends on your point of view for comic books for Marvel comics, because if you have never read Punisher before and you like superheroes, then you might enjoy this issue because Punisher is being a superhero. Yeah. I can't remember who said it. It might've been Mike Barron. Someone on Facebook the other day um, was saying that Punisher works best when he is not in a superhero world, when he's not acting like a superhero. And in this one, like the, the giant robots really, really dis- they they distract from the main purpose of what the punisher what, what mike Barron is trying to accomplish with the punisher in the regular ongoing series so you're right i don't think i can't see Barron purposely putting these guys in i'm sure it was some sort of editorial like how can you how can we uh bend this to fit with the evolutionary war
1: yeah and and also um I guess I, I don't even know much about the revolution, evolutionary war to comment on what it's supposed to be.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, I guess right. I have a. I guess I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I'm, I should have done more homework on that one. But um, well, you
0: know, and as far as that's concerned, Mike Barron actually does a fine job working Punisher into that because really all it is is that uh, the high evolutionary is trying to um, rid the world of super people because they are, they're causing yeah. problems. And that's basically all that is. And that's why they go after... Like, in fact, they're not even going after Punisher. They're going after somebody else, and Punisher just happens to be yeah. there.
1: Right, down in Bogota, Yeah. You know, <laughs> so Yeah, going after yeah. drug lords and, and everything like that.
0: And I so. find that's actually how Punisher stumbles into things fairly often. It happens a number of times in this book, especially in the Japan story, where Punisher is going in for one thing, And he realizes there's something else going on or something else gets his attention and he has to change his course and he gets kind of diverted onto a different path. Um, And that's exactly what happens in this one as well. And in fact, he teams up with the guy that that he was going to kill to get rid of the robots who are going to indirectly destroy a, a village. And then he ends up killing like the guy he was going to kill in the end anyway. So it it actually it works fine as a Punisher story. It's just it's got these weird robots in it. So like uh, yeah,
1: yeah. It would have worked if it wasn't a evolutionary war tie in. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. would have worked really really well.
0: Yes, it really would. Yeah, because the dynamic between yeah. Punisher and the the main bad guy El Kamen, is great. The the way that they have to form the truce and and their banter back and forth is just a. Uh, it's still a well written story. Uh it just has it succumbs to the tie in the problems of being a tie in. Now Mark uh, uh let's see here. Mark Tashiera and um Al no not Al Williamson, uh, Scott Williams as the Inks. Uh, Scott has a really strong hand. He's got a very distinct style. People of course know him as Jim Lee's Inker. Mm-hmm. And you can, I think you can really see that come out in it, the way he inks, because usually Mark's pencils are really heavy with, with brush strokes. If he inks his own work, he is very, very, he plays a lot with dark shadows and stuff. And, and Scott Williams is way more of a fine inker. He uses a lot of thin strokes to do his cross hatching and stuff. And that shows here, which almost makes Mark Teixeira's work not look like his own work.
1: Yeah, if we want to get real specific and if people are following along, I think on, on number 29, when we see Frank's eyes and the, the blood coming down his temple, I think that is a great mm. uh, shot of that, of yeah. his work. Yep,
0: definitely. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see the same thing happen with Eric Larson later on. I'll point that out too, because uh, yeah. Scott Williams inks over over Eric's pencils and does the same sort of thing. Okay, there are two other uh, stories in this annual, one of them is, I, I thought was really good, and the other one is not that great. Um, so let me just talk about Three Hearts for a minute. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now, both in this annual and in the next annual, Micro gets his own standalone short story that's starring him only. And so that's this one as well. It's written by Roger Salek and, and drawn by uh, Mike Vosburg. Uh, who I'm not a huge fan of Mike Vosberg, but he actually does a really good job in this issue uh, just uh, laying out the action and telling the story so uh, micro is he he's gonna help a friend whose husband is trying to kill her it's a very basic plot but what this what's so special about this one is we get to see micro in action he's always kind of been the guy behind the scenes but in this one mm-hmm. he takes a much more active role in in uh, basically being the punisher in this situation. And he does Mm -hmm. a really good job of it too.
1: Yeah. Which is interesting because he is much more of a, I guess, much more of a pacifist Mm -hmm. coming, you know, when it comes to violence. And we do see that later on. Um, And then uh, in the Kingpin story we do. And then also uh, we have seen that before when his son died and, you know, seeking revenge or just kind of letting it go. So, He's a very interesting character, and I imagine it's kind of hard for a writer. I don't know if it's a yin-yang yin kind of thing, but if if I'm a writer like Baron, you know, how do I approach microchip? Yeah. Uh, especially in this situation where he's got to be the tough guy, but he doesn't really want to uh, be a violent guy.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does what he needs to do in the end, and I think the thing that yeah. forces him to do it is that he is... Uh, He's really passionate about the person he's helping, mm-hmm. uh, and he wouldn't do. He doesn't do that. He doesn't act the same way toward the kingpin because the same thing isn't at stake. When it's just yeah. uh, when it's just money, then that's a different story. With then with the person that's on who's trying this woman who's trying to be killed who can't help herself. The only other difference between Frank and Micro. Uh, is that Micro doesn't really have a whole lot of confidence in himself, so right. he does he does yeah. all the same things that Frank would do, but Frank is always sure of himself. He always knows that uh, he, he he believes in his own decisions, whereas Micro uh, he doubts himself, he second guesses, and that comes through in this issue it, it, and it makes him a much interesting, much more interesting character, I think, in the because of that.
1: Yeah. And even though he he doubts himself, he is technically precise on everything. And that's why Frank keeps him around is that Mm -hmm. he does his job very, very well. So he does have skills.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, There's no
1: doubt about it. And yep. but yeah, yeah. So.
0: And when they're working together, the doubt or the second guessing uh, is actually a useful tool to see more sides of the picture. If they both mm-hmm. went in guns blazing every single time, then maybe they'd miss off or they'd get sloppy or, you know, something. They wouldn't see something else. But Micro is good at uh, looking at all of, the, all of the, the avenues or all of the paths that, that could possibly go. Yep. Yeah. Um, I like page 47 uh, in this epic collection because you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you have eight panels oh, yeah. <laughs> and they are all extremely widescreen uh, because you have a car chase. And uh, it's just, I, I I imagine it would probably be hard to draw in panels so wide because you're just, that's not normal to, to make, keep them mm-hmm. short and wide. But for a car chase, it's good to get a sense of uh, the distance between the vehicles and, uh, and, and, They do, Vosberg does a good job of of laying out the action there. So, yeah, it's kind of cool.
1: Yep. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Okay, rounding out this annual is um, schematics for the Punisher's Battle Van. This looks like something out of the um, official handbook and and also Punisher's Warehouse. I love this stuff. I love when they go into detail about heroes' gears or weapons or their hideouts and give us all the details because we we don't usually get to see this kind of stuff. So that's fun.
1: Yep, that came. You're right. It came right out of the uh, handbook of the Marvel Universe and the um, one of the latter ones they did. And it had I, I specifically remember that one because it had like uh, the layout of Captain America's shield and Moon Knight's uh, ship, and I think Hawkeye's arrows were in it, and the oh. uh, all the jewels that uh, Doctor Strange had, and uh, Thor's hammer was in it, and everything like that. So uh, the weapons. It was like the weapons and uh, book. I forget the exact name of it. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. cool. Very cool.
0: Uh, Last little bit in this annual is the High Evolutionary Chapter 2 called Pet Project. And um, honestly, if you are not following the the Evolutionary War story, you could probably just skip this. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if you don't read the first part or the next parts after this. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any comments you want to make about this one or just should we move on?
1: No, I say we just move on. Okay, let's just so, move on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get on to let's get on to a number eleven. Yeah. So, so in number eleven, uh, we're getting back to uh, the Punisher ongoing here. Uh, it's called Second Sight by Baron and Portacio. Of course, is is back on it as your artist, and Frank. I don't know if he moved on from Bogota up to uh, Mexico, but he is in Mexico, and he is looking for a bunch of criminals who are smuggling uh, aliens into the United States. So that is kind of where we're at. And it looks like he's been there for a number of days and he is just dead tired, but he uh, comes across a, uh, a group of people with, uh, looks like they're about to rape a woman. It's very, uh, blatant that they're going to, they're going to do it and mm-hmm. uh, do something bad to her. Um, and he, and Frank comes down to, uh, to save the day basically. And he is just uh just gets her out of there and just keeps running and but they, they eventually uh fall off a cliff and they are rescued by what it, I guess I guess it's the best way to to describe him is a is a shaman of yeah, sorts, yep. Curtis.
0: Yeah, and you've you you did not mention though that in the battle he took a bullet to like his, he clipped his face and he, he was yes, bl- temporarily I'm sorry, yeah. blinded. And, and it's important because there's this is a... The title of this issue is called Second Sight. And so there's a number of different meanings behind that in this issue, which I find is cool. Mike Barron is good at having, of using metaphors uh, throughout his issues. And so in this case, he is blind physically and has to, the the woman that he saves has to lead him out of danger. And then he meets up with Mm -hmm. this shaman and finds out that he's actually kind of blind spiritually as well and so the the shaman puts him through the ringer and takes him on this little this little trip of some sort like head trip where he has to kind of evaluate his past and evaluate who he is and it's kind of it's a good chance yeah, to just wonder, get to know Frank a little bit better
1: yeah you wonder if he took he took like some peyote or something like that because yeah, he really trips out and yeah. he remembers his family yeah and you know this is something we've we've come to just i mean we're on issue 11 now and we we definitely know frank's backstory of how he his family was gunned down it seemed like in the early issues they they covered that in every single issue
0: well they do that in this book too yeah they keep on repeating it yeah,
1: yeah. but i love yeah. on page 74 when he's still in his state and you see his actual uh, skull you know frank castle died the punisher is born uh, kind of thing. Yeah. So I love I love that. Yep. It's and just then you good see imagery. Him. Yeah, it's fantastic. And it's it's almost like a uh, I don't know if it's a black and it's not black and white. How would you describe this color? It's um, a it's almost um, it's monochromatic, tone? I think. It's almost monochromatic.
0: monochromatic. Yeah. It's it's very limited color palette to show that it's not reality. Mm-hmm. And but I love in that in that shot on seventy four where you see the uh so it's it's Frank in the first panel and he's sort of yellow and green. And then the skull, you then you see the Punisher was born and you see his skeleton. And it's like that encapsulates who he is, is the skull. And so to see it's not just an image of the skull, it's his skull. He is the Punisher. Mm-hmm. And it's bathed in it's got this red halo around it, which is very cool. And then it flashes back to Punisher. So it's like if you were watching a movie it would just be like you're watching Frank's face and then it would be a blip of a skull and then it would pop in and pop out just like
2: mm-hmm.
0: like, a, like really quick. And you're back to Frank and then the, next, the last panel is Frank, but you see the skull and the whole image is red. And I found that that was just, a, yeah. uh, it, it speaks a hundred words without having to say anything.
1: Yeah, especially on this two-page spread, it is—it's uh, very striking with oh, the yeah. monochromatic, like you're saying, and then the red is there. It just stands out. Um, yeah, and then we—we, yeah, and then he, you know, the top of that, he screams for his wife name, uh, Maria, and then Barbara and Frankie, who are his kids. Uh, they're all gunned down, and you can see his transformation into what he is today. You know, mm-hmm.
0: and I like that he gets uh, confused through this whole process as well because he. He keeps referring to the woman he saved as Maria. He keeps thinking that it's his wife, even though she looks nothing like his wife. Just everything that he's going through, right. he keeps calling her Maria. Um, and then they have, and to, that comes into play. It, yeah. it does, yeah. and it's it's very cool. It was a great twist ending in the end, where she reveals that her name actually is Maria.
1: So another another second sight, yep. second person, second Maria, totally you know, kind of thing. Definitely, yeah. So. There's
0: a whole bunch of that in here. Very nice. Yep. Yeah. Much better than the evolutionary war story, that's for sure, because we're getting Frank yeah. back on track. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a good way of telling the origin story as well, without just being him mentioning what happened to his family, which is what he does in yep. the next issue here, I think. So we can move on to Punisher number 12, Castle Technique. And in this one, Frank plans to spring a mass murderer from a maximum security prison in order. <laughs> and you're like, why is he springing a, a mass murder? It's because this guy's supposed to get the death penalty, but they are going to backtrack on that. And Frank is like, no, 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 this guy needs the death penalty because he's a mass murderer. So if they're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> he he springs the guy, he comes up with this this great plan just to get this guy out of jail, and he does. And it's the first part of a multi-part story. And
1: this guy, he's like a, uh, he's like a cult leader too. I mean, he's this dude is a is a pretty bad dude, and he still runs his cult inside the prison. Right. Yeah. He. It's just. It's just very interesting. So uh, it 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 kind of reminded me of um you know it, you you kind of it, it was almost like a Manson family thing. We've kind of seen this before, uh, of a cult leader. Um, running things from the inside and and just kind of taking over and Frank kind of like... It's almost like... You, yeah, I don't know where this story... The, the the beginnings of this story would even come from when Barron was kind of writing it. I would love to know his backstory on this one of why he yep. chose this.
0: Well, he said that he wrote, wrote most of his stories are ripped from the headlines. And so I'm sure okay. there was some sort of case that he had read about that was similar to this. There's a lot of backstory... In the first on the first page, yeah. one of the things that Baron does often is plunk you right into the middle. Um, each of these issues is pretty much a standalone story, but when we meet up with Frank, like in this case, he's already well into his mission, he's been chasing this guy for a while, and I guess getting past the boring part of the story, yeah, <laughs> tracking the guy down. But now he's tracked the guy down, and he's Found out the plan, just that there is already a plan to spring this guy out of jail. So he's going to commandeer that plan. It, it's uh, yeah, it, and it's it it sets you right in there. It, you get the, you get hit uh, right off the bat with interesting characters, interesting plot, and you're like, okay, is he actually going to be able to accomplish this? And Portasio's great on the pencils as well. I can't imagine having to draw a helicopter from so many angles like he does. But he does.
1: (laughs) Oh, on pages ninety four and ninety five. Yeah, it's just it's great how he just kind of gets in and out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's. I don't. This is not my one of my favorite two parters of the of this whole book. This is probably. You know. Yeah, I kind of liked the the going from second sight into these to twelve and thirteen. I guess I really didn't care. I I like the villains, but I don't really care for the villains in this one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: The villain is a very different character even in this one than he is in the next book. He's a much more psychotic character in the next issue. They were going to name this Epic Collection Sacrifice Play based on this two-part story right here. That was the original title of this Epic Collection. Oh, they were? Really? Yeah, and then they changed it. um, After it was solicited, they changed it to Kingpin Rules, which makes way more sense because that's the the best story in this book. (laughs) Um, Way more sense than this Mm -hmm. one.
1: so. Yeah, that's there for what it's worth. The the ending of this with Ortiz coming in, kind of saving Frank's life at the end and, and taking him away. You know, we see threads go into other stories. And out of 12 and 13, it kind of gets played into later on in the series. That's right. As we'll see in Kingpin Rule. So you may think that Ortiz is just some one-off guy. And then we meet his wife in 13 uh, Conchita and she plays a major role coming up yeah. in the in the next few issues which that was kind of interesting how they, why he chose to keep her as opposed to another making another f- strong female character.
0: Right, yeah that was a, a very interesting choice because she's really not really developed at all in this story um, she just yeah. is kind of there yeah. and is a f- fairly two-dimensional character um, although she's got, actually we'll talk about her in the next one because she has some weird moments too Yep. So this issue is called Sacrifice Play. Uh, as you said, Frank has been rescued by Ortiz. And together, Frank, Ortiz, and his wife, they go after Sanders' crew. And we saw Sanders get injured in the last issue. Frank shot him. Uh, or was it Frank that shot him? Or was it somebody else? I can't remember. But anyway, he got injured and was taken away. And I guess time enough has passed that Sanders is, is healed. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, he's gone a little nuts. And so they're trying to track him down, track track his family down. And there's this huge standoff between Saunders' crew, Punisher's crew, and the police in the middle of the mountains. And it's actually a lot of fun action
1: that goes on. Yeah, this was a lot better than the last issue. Uh, Just there was, like you were saying, much more action. Yep. Uh, The character play between uh, Conchita Ortiz and Ortiz himself um, and just what their plan is, plan of action, and how they go about it. And she is one tough character. This uh, Conchita is, yeah. And it almost rivals Frank in a way. And she doesn't take any, uh, you know, stuff from him. And she'll talk right back into his face. And uh, I think, I think it's a, it's a good play. And and uh, going back to why they kept her uh, going forward, I think that's maybe why is that they've they didn't need to create a new character, so they just kind of brought her back uh, coming up. And we'll we'll talk about that. But looking at uh, Saunders, though, I mean he's. He definitely has the uh the swastika on his face. Yeah. You know, and it's definitely a, a Manson throwback for sure.
0: And I think you would get that more when you read it at the time. Because we're so yes. far yeah. removed from Manson, it really feels like the whole like the whole Sat the Satan angle of this comes out of left field yeah. because he doesn't mention that in the first part at all. And I think because Manson was in the news so much in this time that people who are reading this would have totally understood, I think, what was going on, uh, what, what what Baron yeah. is trying to allude to here.
1: Yep. It's almost like what we're seeing with uh, with The Irishman on Netflix. We're so far removed from Hoffa that, you know, when I'm at work talking about, did you see The Irishman? They're like, no, because I don't really care who Hoffa is. Because hmm. we're so far removed. But, but someone who was who my age, I grew up with it. Well, especially somebody who grew up in Detroit and you know, yeah, yeah. I drive by the red fox every day for oh, where he got, literally that where he got abducted. I mean I still do that every day.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> so but this is definitely the, the Manson thing is uh, is you know, even I'm far removed from Manson. Yeah. I don't care. So that's a, you probably don't that's probably why they don't make comic books about him anymore, you know. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> uh,
0: I love the exchange on page one twelve between Conchita and Punisher. She's like that's They're... what I was referencing.
1: Yeah, that one and N one fourteen.
0: Yeah, and on, what, what's the one on one fourteen? Oh yeah, yeah. It's just that uh, they have some great dialogue together, and so yeah, you're right. It, it's good that she got brought back. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have a question for you. How is Sanders back in police custody? Because at so, the end of the last issue, we saw him he, he got shot, and then his sister took him away, and that's the last time we saw him,
1: right? That is a great question. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Cause he's in the, he's on the bus and he says, my family's going to bust me out of here. Yeah. Um And then, yeah. So that's, that's a damn good question.
0: Yeah. I wasn't sure if there, if I missed something or not. But I, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know exactly what happened there. But he's back in police custody in this, in this issue. Yeah. Yeah. It's like mm. they wanted to try the whole story over again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But the firefight at the end, you know, the, the final fight is is great. Mm-hmm. When when Frank finally catches up to him, they, they, he's and the, they just keep on fighting, and uh, he's even asking for his help. And he, you know, I can't feel my legs, and you know, I'm paralyzed and everything. And he's just, you know, Frank is just not going to help him. Yep. But of course, the the fight's not over, and uh, you know, poor Ortiz kind of. Kind Of gets it, which is too bad when when uh the uh, I guess it's what blows up, the the truck blows up. He's behind the truck, and I guess the it, gasoline blows up, yeah. Blows I think up he, yeah like and he's
0: standing too close to it. He knows he knows that uh, this is the sacrifice play, I think, right here is that he sacrifices yeah. himself in order to let Conchita um, and Frank, but mostly Conchita get away scot free,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, you kind of know that he's going to die. In this issue, in the second, like by the second page of the story, yeah, he he says, uh, what does he say here? He's a corrections officer or something, right? He's he works at this prison. Or he says, "I'm yeah, going to help he you." He was
1: the guy. So little backstory. He he was the guy that got Frank into prison. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With.
0: That's right. right. And and, yeah. uh, and Frank says, "Well, what about your job? You're going to help me. What about your job?" And he says, "Forget the job. I took a powder. My record ain't so hot anyway. They say I mistreat the animals." And so yeah. he's got nothing to live for. He establishes this right away that you know his career's gone. He's he's all in. The only thing he cares about is his wife. And so yes. I figured by the end of this issue that something would happen to him in order to save his wife, and that's exactly how it played out. Okay, with that two-parter behind us, we can move on to issue number 14. Why don't you take us through this one? It's called Social Studies.
1: Fantastic title, fantastic cover to yep. number 14 with kingpin rules written on the, um, on the lockers uh, with Frank holding a gun, gunshots coming at him, holding uh, what appears to be a dead cheerleader, And if if you were to look at this off the rack, just knowing that Kingpin is going to be in this story and knowing that it's in a school, you know, what the heck is going on here? And Frank is actually, um, he is at Malcolm Shabazz High School, which is kind of a a, a, a homage to Malcolm X High School. right? Um, And he is there as a substitute teacher. To infiltrate drugs uh, that are is at the high school a big theme of um, you know this was a time of of we, we saw this in other TV shows especially like a show like Twenty One Jump Street how we had cops infiltrate high schools to flush out the drugs because that was the big thing that was the big enemy in the in the late eighties and early nineties it wasn't. Right. It wasn't the Russians or, you know, something like that. It was it was drugs in the country, Curtis. That's what it was. That was the big, giant enemy. And look, oh, look how far we've come to, <laughs> you know, just vaping and marijuana are, you know, is in recreational use these days. That's right. But so Frank is there. I guess his name is Mr. Melcher. Mel, it's um, Melchior. Melchior. I'll Melchior, be your social yeah. studies teacher for the next couple of days. So I would just love to know how, how Frank got a teacher's license and to uh, to come into a, the New York public high, high school uh, system uh, to teach. And he's really looking for a drug lord. And the drug lord, I guess, is actually 29 years old. And he is in the school selling drugs. And uh, it turns out the kingpin is the, the backer, which I when I when I was rereading this and I read this, uh, you know, Last year when it came out, this book, and then um, when we were going to record uh, a few weeks ago, I kind of reread this. And I'm like, you know, why is Kingpin interested in high school drugs and being a pusher? And, and they don't really ever say that. So it just seems kind of petty for someone like the the Kingpin to do.
0: This is another one of those cases where he realizes that there's something bigger going on. Um, because the 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 people who are selling the drugs in the school now have orders to blow up the school because of some sort of deal that the kingpin has with the Libyans. <laughs> the Libyans are the, oh right the big enemy here, uh, and so the yeah. story starts to go in a different direction as the Punisher has to take down all the people, all of the gang members who are going to blow up the school. Now there's a definite uh, a definite parallel to you know the movie to serve with love. Um,
1: yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Where the guy comes in and has to kind of...
1: With Sidney Poitier.
0: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. He has to go in and uh, to one of the roughest classrooms and be a teacher to them and earn their respect. And um, and Frank, in a sense, has to do that here as well, except he just kind of, <laughs> he like, throws a guy out the window. Uh, it's like, okay, uh, I'm going away for now. And he puts this other girl in charge and 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 does his thing. So I mean that's where the parallels sort of end as far as that's yeah. concerned. But but there's just a, I think that that I can't remember when that movie came out. It was the was it the seventies or was it earlier?
1: Oh, early seventies. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So that that was a little far removed from this because this is late eighties then.
1: Um, and they also kind of did it with uh, Tom Berenger in The Substitute. The oh right, kind of, of course, yeah. Story, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really like this issue. I just like the concept of Punisher because he actually, he honestly did care about teaching the kids uh, when he got in there. Like he he does want them to be educated people and, and lead good lives. And that's, I think, yeah. part of the, the, the reason why he's there to flush out the drugs mm-hmm. as well. Um, this is also the first time that the Punisher gets involved in a Kingpin story. Because up until right. now, uh, the Kingpin had been Um, A Spider-Man villain and then more recently a Daredevil villain and now Punisher is getting involved in this world I actually have a little clip of Mike Barron talking about uh, bringing the Kingpin in Uh, so I'll play that right here Well I grew up reading a lot of crime novels and true crime books because I like that sort of thing Uh, but when I started to write The Punisher it just required a lot of research Uh, my approach was to do it as a straight crime story with no, no super heroics uh, and fantastic outer space vehicles mm-hmm. that lasted for about three years. And then Carl was kicked upstairs and I had a new editor and he wanted it to be more integrated with the Marvel Universe. So that's when we started bringing in the
2: superpowered villains and so forth.
1: I thought it was fantastic and it's a great setup of where we're going to go uh, later on and what turns out to be a, uh, a six issue series. Great. So it would, you know, they could make a movie about this. This would be, this would be great. Uh, yeah, or a, You know, totally. if they were to redo the Netflix TV show and, and bring Frank in with uh, the Punisher. But, you know, we're f- very far removed from that now. Uh, but that would be a really cool uh, thing to do. So
0: It was my hope that had the Netflix series kind of continued, that Punisher and Daredevil would have a team up to go after the Kingpin. They never established the Punisher and the Kingpin yeah. as adversaries in that show. Uh, which is a real shame. I think they had a, a good opportunity to do that.
1: They did once. They did when they were, they met in prison. Um, it was very brief. Oh, but, right. Um, but Frank kind of threw him away, you know, kind of thing. That's right. I, I so, yeah. That. And Daredevil season two. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah, it was it an was opportunity that they could have exploited a little bit more. But um, mm-hmm. now yeah, I, I would love to see a movie... That has Spider-Man and Daredevil and Punisher teaming up after the Kingpin, but with the Tom Holland Spider-Man, I don't think that that's possible.
1: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe an animated show. Yeah, unless <laughs>
0: unless yeah, they could play this unless Tom Holland or unless Peter Parker is a student at the school where Frank is a substitute teacher.
1: <laughs> oh, that would be great. Yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be good. Yeah. Now, what yeah. do you think of these uh, covers? Going into, we saw the first one with the lockers. Uh, 15, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Kingpin is just so, uh, just pissed off at Frank and it's almost like a chessboard. board, yep. um, you know, breaking the pieces. So, and that's, a
0: a chess is an, an, um, analogy that is used with the Kingpin often because he likes to have his yes. plans and know how things are going to play out. And, and so to, to show that he's like crushing the chess piece. Of him And also Micro, right? Because Micro's in, on the cover at the bottom, already crushed.
1: He is. I was going to mention that, yeah, which is kind of interesting that he's already crushed Micro, so...
0: He, he doesn't even know who Micro um, is. Because you wonder
1: if Kingpin even knows who, knows who he is. Yeah. Right? yeah.
0: This this issue is called to topple the Kingpin, and uh, the Kingpin, he's on to Frank, so he puts together a small team of people. Uh, so Frank Frank puts together a small team of people who we've met over the past few issues, including Conchita and uh, one of the other teachers at the school from the last issue that was helping him out. And uh, they're going to try and uh, take down the kingpin, which, uh, you know, it's never been done before. So can he do it this time? We'll have to find out. Uh, Mike, yeah. Mike Barron is a big fan of martial arts. He's a martial artist himself. And so his version of the kingpin has him uh, has him as a martial artist as well. And I think that's this... Uh, he, he always says this word soyaset, which is at the top of page 51. Mm-hmm. He says that a few times. I tried Googling that to find out what that meant, because there's got to be some sort of uh, call that you... Something that you say in karate or something... And I could find no reference to it online at all, except for a couple of web pages where there are, it's a a couple of forums where people are referencing this issue and asking what that word meant. (laughs) So that other people are wondering the same thing. Huh. And there's no information on that? No, nothing else. Yeah. That word just doesn't come up. So I don't know if it's a made up word by Mike Barron himself or, or what, but yeah, it's not there.
1: Yeah, it could be, but... Uh, yeah, as we all know, Fisk is a huge man, uh, and it's all muscle. It's none of it's fat. Yeah. So he has three hundred, you know, plus pounds of muscle, which is just a huge, huge character. So larger than life, literally. So yep. So Frank's team of people consists
0: of Conchita, who lost her husband, and so this is kind of all she has going for her right now. And also, Mister Brooks, one of the other teachers, and they establish that he is disillusioned uh, with the government for not caring about his city, Mm -hmm. and because the kingpin's taking control. So that's why he's getting involved. And also, uh, they they, he also includes one of the teenagers that we met in the other uh, that that we met in the last issue. Does he have a name? I can't remember. Good question. I mean, I'm I sure don't... he has a name, but I can't. I forgot to make a note of what it is. I don't know
1: off of my head. Yeah.
0: I was a little not keen on Frank including a teenager in his uh, in on his team. Yeah. Uh, I just I figure that that's something. I know that like Batman has a teen sidekick, and you know, it's teen sidekicks are, are a thing. But for some reason, this just felt different. I think because of the realism of these stories. Uh it's yeah. just uh I felt like it was like Frank don't get this kid involved. <laughs> and it didn't it didn't pay out.
1: No, it didn't. And you know I you know I understand that you know kids are reading these comics and maybe he's trying to appeal to that audience. Um it could be except That's all I can. In think. the
0: next issue the kid gets taken out before even any of the action happens. Like it's actually a very Oh Reese, his name is yeah. Reese. It's a sad story for Reese because okay. Reese he actually decides this, is, and this is jumping ahead a little bit. Like he, he decides that he wants to, you know, make the world a better place, and that's why he's trying to get rid of the kingpin. And he ends up dying before he even sees any action. It's kind of a, it's kind of too bad.
1: As Frank is building his army, uh, uh, Kingpin Fisk has got his one-man army in Mister. Kleeg, oh yeah, who is his new uh, top assassin. So he, who even. Shows off his skills uh, by when they shake hands, he actually pulls a knife on Kingpin. Um, but uh, Fisk will have no part of that, of course. Right. Uh, but he is impressed with his style. So, and then yep. when Conchita shows up um, on you know on, on page one sixty seven, boy, she is ready for action. Oh yeah, um, she's loaded. You know, <laughs> she's got the 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 grenades and the guns and the knife, and she looks like something out of uh, WWE. I mean, just ready and the muscles are just popping on this chick so yep. she is she is ready to go I think it's interesting that they 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 blow up uh Punisher's warehouse Punisher knows that they're coming for him so he sets a trap uh for Kingpin and kind of leads him to this warehouse yep. which we just saw we earlier We just got the schematics for um, that <laughs> from the handbook of the yeah. Marvel Universe we just <laughs> got the layout of it and this is it and it it blows up Now the it, handbook um, is obsolete and I looked at it yeah so this is actually the uh, the second warehouse to blow up, um, the second of his warehouses. So, yeah. yeah, that we, so this, since the series started, this is the second one that has been destroyed. Huh. So he's going through warehouses quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> so he kind of makes a, a mockery of, um, of, uh, of a of, uh, Kingpin. Uh, but as we see, Kleeg is, is survived that and he is tracking Punisher and his, and his gang and, uh, they're ready to go. And as you can see on, uh, issue 16, um, For escalation, uh, Punisher and Kleeg is they're going to fight, and uh, a a giant uh, Wilson Fisk is in the background on the cover. So yeah, they are they are ready to go. So and where are they? Are they in? Oh, in Florida. I'm sorry. Yeah. So now they're in Florida. Um, We kind of teased out that Frank was going to go around the world, and and now they're in Florida in the Everglades, and uh, he fights Kleeg, and uh, well he well does he fight Kleeg or he's trying to. Cleek goes on to them. I guess Klee, I guess he set a bunch of traps for him. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. There's a very Rambo yeah, r- moment in here yeah. where uh, Punisher gets yes, pinned down by these they, tree spikes.
1: Yes, and they do end up fighting, and uh, they definitely they kind of take care of him. They, they take him out right throw, away. A, a arrow
0: yeah, I was quite yeah, surprised yeah. that, uh, you know, I thought that... He didn't stand up against the kingpin when he pulled that knife, but I thought, you know, this guy will still be a, a formidable foe, but they actually <laughs> they they see through his traps right away and kind of take him out. He uh mm-hmm. he wasn't as good as we thought he was gonna be. Yep. But uh not before Gleague could take out Reese. So Reese dies in this
1: issue. Correct. He does take out Reese, which yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. So um yeah. I do find it funny that after this fight that Microchip and uh Frank headed Disney World. <laughs> 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 so I, yeah. I thought that was kind yeah. of a you know, well, you know, and, if you're in Florida, of course, um, yeah, if you're in Florida, everybody goes to Disney World, yep. and and uh, they've he, you know, Micro's got his computer repair uh, head on, so of course, you know, he'll get into Disney World and and repair whatever needs to be done there.
0: Um, I like on page one eighty two how uh, uh, they, after they've got into they've gone they've come and gone from Disney World, and Micro says Kingpin's got about forty percent of those legitimate cash tied up in national. Uh, hotels, but Disney's a clean outfit. Uh, but all those hotels got a complete feed to Disney World, so he's saying yeah. that uh, you know dis- Disney is a—they're okay. No one touches Disney; <laughs> they're on the up and up.
1: Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> uh, and so in this, the, I think the the bulk of this issue really takes place in the back half, where Kingpin hires a kid, and this really shows. This is a sign of the times, right here. He hires a kid who's a hacker. And uh, this kid knows yeah. computers. And Kingpin doesn't know computers because they're kind of the new technology. And um, Micro has implanted this virus through Disney World um, to get to Kingpin's computers. And so this... Do you remember in, uh, in Jurassic Park, which was 1993? I think it's 93 uh-huh. or 92. I can't remember. It's early 90s. It's not too long after these issues come out. And the main girl the in that one... She has got to be like I don't know twelve, eleven or twelve, and she calls herself yeah. a hacker. She's a computer hacker, and c- just because she like is a computer expert, and ends up saving the park at the end. And it's like this is this is right. the sign of the times. This is the dated material right here. Is that uh, these kids um, they know they know the ins and outs of computers and can do kingpins' dirty work for them.
1: <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah yeah this kid could have grown up to be Zuckerberg he, I mean he's age fourteen right here yeah um you know he grows up and goes to Harvard and start does a startup you
0: know <laughs> yep yep um also in this one uh, Punisher paints a uh, a skull on his vest. I love that Punisher's like he doesn't necessarily he does have a costume, but if he doesn't have a costume, he'll just grab some paint and make paint a skull on his face because he's got to stick with his brand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Yes.
0: I was also surprised because Will's Portacio actually draws Frank quite slim. He's got toned muscles. But yeah. he's he's not a huge bulking, muscly figure that a lot of artists especially today draw Frank like. Like they, a lot of people today will draw him with massive shoulders and huge guns and and these pecs that stand out and and uh, just like he's a massive mu- mountain of muscles. But you compare that to the way he's drawn here. He's he looks so skinny. But uh,
1: are you looking at page one eighty seven for that, or where are you where do you see that? Uh, exactly? One eighty
0: seven for sure, and then yeah. later on, like one ninety. Okay, he just uh, he's just um, a, he just kind of is a normal fit person.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and that's all Punisher really needs to be because he. He's smarter than that. Like, he doesn't need to engage in hand-to-hand combat unless he needs to. And when he does, he's smart about it. He knows how to uh, take down his opponent uh, with minimal effort. So he doesn't have to mm-hmm. be the strong muscle man. Uh, and I like that about him. I think that's kind of neat. Yeah,
1: yeah, so then they're, um, they're off to New York, and uh, they are looking to infiltrate his tower. And it's ironically called the King's Inn. Kingpin King's Inn, so a nice little wordplay right. that uh, that Baron did there, and yeah, they're just you know they're they're with uh they're with. I love the battle van scene where Conchita on page one ninety three where they're going down the road and the door goes straight out, uh so she can like yeah. make a stand <laughs> and it's almost like using it as a shield and Very it's like cool. how does that door stay up but um I guess it does so. Yeah, it's a, it's a very cool van, and Kingpin's van
0: is also equally cool. It's got a turret on the top, <laughs> so this guy has a machine gun. Yeah, that gun. is
1: that is badass right there. Yep. Yeah, the blue, the blue uh, almost like a Brinks truck yep. comes up next to him. And I like how Kingpin is, you know, it's the last page of the issue, and everybody's, you know, he's got his little hacker buddy there and the, the dude up top, and he's just sitting back smoking a cigar, like, you know, just in the back of a van, uh, the smoke is probably just billowing that thing. There's probably not much <laughs> ventilation for his yep. giant cigar. So
0: I'm surprised the kingpin is actually in that van. Usually he doesn't get that close to the action.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Uh, so the next issue, issue number 17. This is the the cover that they use on the Epic Collection. It's great mm-hmm. with this paint splatter in the background. Makes it nice. Yeah, that's nice a dynamic. cool cover. Yep, it's very cool.
1: Yeah. Do you like the way they recolored it, making it more? I guess what do they do? They if you're comparing the covers, they definitely did some recoloring on it. Yeah,
0: the main characters are recolored. They left the splatters the way they are, except they they sort of yeah. highlighted the explosion near the feet. It's fine. They, uh, I mean, it's just it looks like modern coloring. The other one is definitely more flat. Flat yeah. uh, makes the skull stand out a little bit better, I think.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's it's fine. There's there are uh, worst cases of color jobs, modern color jobs. That's I think true. That we've seen. So, yeah. uh, I just uh, I, I understand the need to sort of make it look a little flashier for a modern audience. But I'd be fine if they yeah. just kept the flat colors on the front cover as well.
1: What I thought was interesting, and I, maybe you can point it out to me. So on the cover, Frank has got his guns and he's got size in his uh, on his back. Right? Does he use that at all in this issue? I don't think he does. The, the size are what Electra uses. That's yes. her main choice of weapon. Um, right. And I don't think he really uses them, you know, that I can find. So No, I don't think so either. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I guess maybe Portasio thought, oh,
0: this looks kind of cool. And he just uh, stuck them on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, he doesn't usually carry, nope. he'll carry knives, but he doesn't usually carry any other weapons other than, like, guns. Right.
1: Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. So. Yeah.
0: Okay, what is this issue here? This one's called Computer War, issue number 17. So uh, this one, we continue with our car chase, and there's a great scene where Micro reveals that he can make the, the van jump <laughs> over some police cars. Yes. That was a little, I don't know, a little far-fetched, I thought, but oh well. Um, <laughs> and then, he, then they take a, a swim in, I don't know if it's the Hudson River or what, but they lose the van. And they like grab as much money as you can, <laughs> and then they yeah, and then they 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 have to retreat to some sort of broken down house. But anyway, so the main purpose of this issue is to um, to regroup in a safe place uh, and come up with their plan. Meanwhile, Fisk is tracking them and, they, and comes up with his plan. So this is a this issue is used as a stepping stone to the next one. It's very much a lot of setup. Mm-hmm. We meet a few new people, some new accountants that Kingpin hires and find out a little bit more about uh him. Uh and Frank and Conchita get a little close. There they they obviously have sex, but it's never explicitly said because this is a kid's comic book.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, they definitely do something.
0: Yep. Yeah. They and and then she and unfortunately then she dies. So this is uh Yes. Uh she gets taken out as well, kinda in the dark. It's a not a very honorable move. But so now we're down to only two. The the team started with four and now we're down to two people. And uh, or I guess three. I wasn't counting I wasn't counting microchips. So we have Micro Punisher and Mr. Brooks, the teacher. And the three yes. of them are going to now face off against the Kingpin. Did you like this issue?
1: I did. I, I just want to mention that uh, before Kinshieta gets shot, on the roof we've got I guess the Chinese gangsters and the accountants coming in. And they have a a new, I guess, a, a new uh, assassin yeah. that is going to take down Frank. And they are in the top of the building. Uh, his name is Mister Lem or Lem Lem, and uh, he is in a trance and he is, you know, kind of a almost like a, for lack of a better term, a second sight, trying to find where Frank is. Right. And he's on the top, sitting on a helicopter pad, <laughs> and then he looks across New York City and he's like he is in New Jersey. I will need a car. <laughs> it's like, you're on a helicopter. Pit, yeah, you're yeah. Just yeah. get a helicopter. You know, it's like...
0: <laughs> yeah, so I thought yeah. That was that kind of very funny, but there are some funny moments yeah. in here. Mike Barron is, is very yeah. sparse with his humor, but he puts yeah. it in there. And a lot of it's kind of dry humor. There's a great joke on page two Oh five.
1: Okay. Is that when they're eating pizza? I love how they are get back to this house and they are like, they got to eat the pizza. You know, they got thirty thousand dollars, and they're like, they gotta get pizza. They gotta yeah. Get to eat. I wonder. Um, I wonder. If actually, who paid for that? So
0: they split it. They split the bill. I'm sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no. So yeah. Page 204. I guess the joke starts on page two or three. I'm just going backwards here. Uh, Micro says, I just realized something. Uh-huh. If the kingpin puts out a tracer on a double, on double sets of anchovy and mushroom pizza, then we're up the creek without a paddle. And, <laughs> and Punisher says, Do you think we should clear out? <laughs> <laughs> and, and conchita's just like oh hey it's just a joke <laughs> so it's like is that kind of humor in there that uh because frank is not a humorous guy himself he's never making wise cracks right so the jokes just go right. over his head yeah, yeah i like it that's funny yeah,
1: yeah there is a lot of dialogue in this issue a lot of setup uh for what's coming on uh but we've seen that before that's kind of uh, baron's um mo especially in these longer tales where it's kind of strewn out so um it's no surprise here.
0: I'd hate for them to cram it all into a little bit and then either you have pages that are completely loaded with text and, and no room to breathe, or you skimp on the details and it makes the story a little bit more confusing. So to to spread it out like this and to have a whole issue devoted to them setting up their plan is it's nice. Yeah. I don't know how it would feel if it's month by month.
1: Right, because when we go from a two oh four to two oh five in the epic collection is Punisher's plans. And then on 206 to 207 is Fisk's plans. But then we come to 212 and 213 where there's barely any dialogue at whatsoever. It's right. all panel work and um, yeah. it's you know that sort of thing. And even going into um, the next uh, 214 and 215, the fight, uh, no dialogue, no word balloons right. really. Yeah. minor. Uh, so it's dialogue-heavy, and then it's action-heavy. And where the action yeah. is, you don't need the dialogue, It's, it's uh, perfect. which and is yeah. great to see. Baron is great yeah.
0: like that. I love that he doesn't—I I can't remember if I mentioned in, this in the last episode as well, but when Punisher gets into a battle, he's not thinking. Baron doesn't yeah. put the dialogue, like the narration in here at all uh, for us to read, because Punisher himself— isn't thinking. It's like it, he's instinctively reacting to what's going on, and he doesn't have an in internal yeah. monologue at the time. Yeah, very kind of cool. Uh, the only other thing I want to mention here is that um, I love the vagueness of the computer talk. This is the 1980s, and I don't know. Mike Barron himself probably doesn't know uh, as much about computers because uh, people just weren't using them as much. So when they're talking about computers, right. especially what the hacker is saying, is very very vague, <laughs> and I like that. And also the computer hacker, they call him Bored because he has a skateboard. Uh, he doesn't realize yeah. how how real all of this actually is. He's kind of making yeah. light of it. He doesn't realize that there, this is potentially life and death kind of stuff. And so now, uh, the kingpin had a kid on his team, and now, or just Frank had a kid on his team, and now the kingpin has a kid on his team. Yep. Yeah. And so in this next issue, we see kind of that that board has a, a little bit of a change of heart in issue number 18 called Face Off.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, the, his kid, board, got disrespected um, and he's kind of pissed off himself. So, yeah. yeah, he's he may be realizing that he's on the wrong team kind of thing. Yeah. So we see board, uh, he's basically got kicked out of, um, or he's not pleased with Kingpin. Uh, So he's on the street and uh, on a skateboard, and he decides to kind of reach out to Frank and uh, Microchip. They somehow meet. They don't really say how, but, um, hey, Frank, did you activate this computer? No, somebody's trying to contact you, the Kingpin. And he said, no, a little too subtle for him. It's young friend, the board. Uh, So the board somehow gets in touch with uh, Microchip. So that's kind of how they meet up. So they want to mute for mutual interest, as he says. And uh, they're going to suggest the place and meet up and uh, talk about, you know, what's going on. And so maybe uh, uh, they can get, uh, uh, you know, information on each other. But uh, it's kind of cut short, as we will see, uh, because Bored has been been followed uh, by a young Chinese kid as well. So it's really too bad because it would have been great to actually have seen uh, what would have happened. So I think it would have been cool if... I I say this
0: having just said it's too bad uh, that I didn't like the fact that Frank had a kid on his team but it would have been kind of cool if board had come aboard come aboard uh, this uh, like Frank and micro's team and played along with them and given micro like because micro just lost his own kid it kind of would have been neat for him to come along as a mentor toward him or something
1: yeah that would have been nice yeah yeah did you see the X-Men cameo in this, in this issue? We, you know, where is it? I was looking for that again the other night, and I still didn't see it. It's
0: page 218, the very first page
1: okay. in the bottom panel,
0: when, when uh, board is walking through the, the streets of New York.
1: Oh, there's Wolverine and Storm. And, right. and okay.
0: Colossus is right beside him, but not metallic. Okay. And you can see Rogue, long and shot. Longshot and Dazzler. <laughs> it's, it's the X-Men. <laughs> it's the x-men of the is 80s. there
1: a reason why oh and there's um nightcrawler's tail. yes
0: is yep. there
1: a reason why they're there i don't or is think it just so a, just a little easter egg
0: i kind of wonder if uh at this time now when did wills portacio move over to x-men
1: oh i don't know yeah good question
0: so because I, I wonder if he had was sticking these kind of things in to kind of show hey guys i can draw the x-men <laughs> <laughs> or something I don't know, but it is a totally random and inconsequential cameo. It doesn't make isn't doesn't serve any purpose at all. It's just kind of there, there. Yeah,
1: yeah. So if you're an X Men junkie and you have to get every issue, is this something you pick up? Yeah, I guess
0: so. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> it's it's canon.
1: Yeah, it's canon. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we get a uh, we get to learn a little bit more about Mister Brooks in this one. He uh, he doesn't we find out that he doesn't really want to kind of go along with the plan anymore.
1: Yeah. He's kind of been an interesting character along these, the last few issues. He's, he's just kind of in the background. He's on Frank's team. Um, he doesn't say much or doesn't, he says a lot, but he doesn't really contribute much other than being kind of muscle. Uh, you know, he was a, uh, he was one of the teachers with Frank, right? He was a teacher in a school. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's kind of joined up with Frank and, he um i don't know if he's kind of having second thoughts or or what um but uh kind of interesting that he's uh still sticking around but he he definitely won he it's not that he uh, has his own agenda, but maybe he's second guessing frank's methods
0: yeah he just doesn't because yeah, right. Frank wants to go in there and kill the kingpin and this is where we we had mentioned before seeing a little bit of pacifism from micro and i don't know if it's as much pacifism as realizing that if the kingpin uh, if the kingpin dies, then every single other mob will start to try and um, trying to, to try to claim the kingpin's territory, and we'll have right. a ton of rival mobs, and there will be many people who will get hurt. So the kingpin needs to stay in place in order to keep things sort of sane. They can still take down its operation, but not kill the kingpin. Right. And Frank, but Frank is mad because Conchita just. Um, just died and obviously uh, Frank obviously cares a great deal because they, they showed them having sex. That's how we know that Frank is yeah. uh, emotionally yeah. invested in this in this this woman. And now he wants well, to and kill... And he lost
1: Reese too, yeah.
0: Yeah, but I don't think that that was... Like, he didn't immediately want to kill Kingpin after Reese was dead, but he immediately wanted to kill right. Kingpin after Conchita died. Uh right. So I, I feel like it was a little bit of a forced uh, forced relationship there between the two of them in order to give Frank some motivation. I think they call that fridging, fridging the, the, the woman, Okay. Uh, as that terms, I think it's Jeff Johns who killed whose whose wife was it and stuck, stuck him in a fridge in order to give them the, the guy, uh, motivation or something. I don't, I don't know exactly, but, um, Brooks, however, is still alive at the end of this issue. He is one of the few uh-huh. people in this book associated with Frank that does not die. He gets away, and also the King. Pit do you lives. like
1: how they infiltrate the uh, the casino and they and uh, what do you think of the fight between Frank and, and uh, Wilson?
0: Um, it was good. We had it was really nice choreography. and That's one of the strengths, I think, of Pata- Pertasio mm-hmm. for sure. Is that he? We can follow his action and his the movements of the characters. Um and Kingpin's a formidable foe. We don't often yes. see him in action, but when we do see him in action, he's he's good. I got a little shade of uh of Bane versus Batman in some of these scenes, especially in oh, two thirty eight. Right. Yeah. Where it looks like he could break Frank's back or something.
1: He's breaking his back, yeah. yeah. Um yeah. yeah, and then going into it, you know, shoot me uh, uh Wilson says shoot me and he dies, he's holding uh Frank. And uh, so what? You're gonna kill him anyway. Let him go, and we'll walk. No hard feelings. Otherwise, you'll go down on the blades of glory. Uh, very well. You have convinced me. And he kind of lets him go. And um, Frank's pretty pissed off that we're just yeah. gonna let him go. Um, but even Microchip agrees that uh, you know, you know, it's just, it's just that's the move. That's the move to, to play. And they're gonna get him an, an, another way somehow. Uh, so yep. And I like that. You when, know, you kind of knew. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of knew when Kingpin was gonna you're not going to kill yeah. the Kingpin. Right. Um, he's too good of a villain. So Yeah, I, I like
0: that um, Frank, once Micro speaks up about his point of view, Frank calms down.
1: And mm-hmm. that shows yeah.
0: just how much respect Frank has for Micro. Like Brooks, he just met this guy the other day. Sure, they've been on the mission together, but it, when they don't agree, Frank takes issue. But if, if Micro has the same... Opinion, he's going to actually listen to what he has to say. I think that's kind of yep. kinda of nice. It's a good. It's a good relationship between those two characters. Yep. And that does it. That was a, a wild ride. For I think it's four issues long. That story, which is unusual, I think, for this era of comics and also for Punisher because we've been basically just doing one or two issue stories. Yeah. So this was a long one, and if I would have uh, had yeah no, five I, issues. Long. Yeah, five yeah. five. Wow, yeah, five issues, and I can't even imagine when you're buying these month by month and you get that first issue with the substitute to te- uh, the substitute teacher story, uh-huh. you would have had no idea that it was going to lead to what it led to. Cause the story just blows right. up huge and it starts actually yeah. pretty small. That's very cool.
1: Yep. I thought it was great. I'm. I'm it's you know, totally great. Yeah, no, I just, just wrapping up. I, I thought it was a great story. It's, it's the longest uh part in here uh in this epic collection and uh you know you it you know when you mentioned it was going to be titled a different title that makes no sense to me so i'm glad they kept it as kingpin rules yeah um but so it's just a, a great great title of this epic collection great story um and really sets it up for the future of of uh, you know that frank and and kingpin are going to run into each other Oh, yeah. uh, which we've talked about before, actually, on this podcast. So,
0: <laughs> right, yes, we have. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Also, I might as well mention: if you're going to bring that up, then you should listen to Punisher episode. Oh, is it nine? Uh, it's called Capital Punishment. Capital Punishment. Yep. Yeah, definitely check out that episode. That was a that was a good story too.
1: Yes, that was great.
0: Okay, moving on to issue number nineteen. This is the one we said that Frank travels all over the world. So this is the one where he goes to <laughs> Australia. And is it. Is it
1: oh, Which, by the way, yep. of, of all the covers we've had, this is a I'm <laughs> not a fan of this cover. This Frank on the back of a camel, yeah, uh, with a you know a 12 gauge um, with the Australian hat, um, and I don't know. It's just it's just kind of a goofy cover. It is goofy. You know? I don't even associate camels with Australia. Yeah, yeah, it is a camel, right? I mean, I, I isn't think that so. what that yep. is?
0: I'm pretty sure. Yep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just I don't get it.
0: No. So. okay. Um the story however is uh it's pretty good. The it's called The Spider and it's drawn by Larry Stroman with Randy Emberlin doing the inks and here's another interesting pair um of uh like penciling and inking pair because Larry Stroman is a very very stylized artist. Mm-hmm. If you've seen his stuff on X Factor, he has a very very distinct style. But I think Randy Emberlin uh, normalizes a lot of his pencils and reins it in. So again, there are some panels that definitely look like Larry, but then other times it doesn't. Uh, and I don't know. Maybe that's just earlier on in Larry's uh, Larry's career, and he doesn't. He's not quite established his own style yet. But it definitely looks different mm-hmm. so in this one there's a, a bad guy his name is spider rock and he spider rock has a deal with punisher um the punisher is pretending to to sell some drugs and rock spider is going to buy them from him but then he, the, their deal gets interrupted by this woman and he runs away and frank is like no i was going to catch that guy so he has to follow him to australia and uh and track him down there and uh, so, at the very beginning of this issue, the woman who interrupts is a is a is an, in a neighboring apartment, and he Frank had saved her life just a couple of pages before, uh, and she mm-hmm. identifies herself, or I guess we identify her as Vietnamese, just because of her name. Uh, she says mm-hmm. the name is Tran, uh, the name of the child's name is Tran, and this is just a reference back to Frank's days as a as a a war vet in Vietnam, the Vietnam war. Mm -hmm. He, he has a lot of sympathy for the Vietnamese people. And so he definitely, um, like, I don't think it's a, it's just random that Baron wrote this character to be a Vietnamese person. Um, Mm -hmm. she gets caught in the middle of it and he has to save her life sort of twice. Um, yeah, this issue was just a... Uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's just him kind of playing detective the entire issue. He's following up on yeah. leads and asking around people. And it's not till kind of the very end that he actually finds the person he needs to find. And they have a shootout. And then the issue just kind of ends. This is a, it. seems like a fill-in issue to me.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, after the, the long um, Kingpin rules for five issues. Yeah, this is something that, you know... Uh, yeah, they just probably wanted a break, and they probably had this in the can for a while yeah. and uh, just wanted to get it out there. You Which know? is
0: why it has a different so, penciler, because they probably got to work on it Yeah, um, before, because it probably needed just needed a break. <laughs> in fact, we have a couple of issues of... Well, oh, no, yeah, that's it. That was this, the end the of his issue, run, wasn't it? Uh,
1: that was the end of the run, yeah. Yeah. So, way that to was, go out. Yeah,
0: know. that's right.
1: Wow. What do you think of the inside joke at the top of 252? Did you get that?
0: Two fifty-two. let me see here uh, eastman 52, and Laird. 52, yeah uh, yep 20. definitely i was gonna yes. bring that up too that was funny yeah. very funny now are they're not australian are they
1: or... no i just think they he just kind of threw it in there as you know uh as a little joke yeah kind of thing so, the, yeah so yeah inside joke
0: i think ninja turtles would have only been a few years old what what year is this oh yeah so the cartoon Couple was out by now yeah. by this point yeah yeah, yeah. okay
1: Mm-hmm. It may maybe the first movie too <laughs> by then
0: right of course yeah, I like it when they, they do that. I love it. Yep. Uh, there's also another joke, which I was half expecting to get a Crocodile Dundee reference, and then it came in page 259. You call that a I knife? Do see that. And I do see the
1: camels. <laughs> the camels on 253, too. Yeah, I mean, yep, um, yep. You know, they make it seem like Australia is like, I guess he's part of the outback then. Uh, but Australia is a, is a you know, a lush country, just like United States with, with cities and trees and everything. Yeah. So well, they make yeah. it seem like he's in the middle of nowhere. There's the the
0: iconic, one of the hi- iconic, um, like, natural landmarks in Australia is the Devil's, is it called the Devil's Mountain? Uh, it's that uh, huge mountain that has the yeah, really the flat... Devil's top, the, the Devil's you, Tower. Yeah, that's right. of the Devil's Tower, that's right.
1: The Rock, The Rock, the, yeah, but, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Man, yeah. that's right in the middle of the desert. So a lot of the time, a lot of times when it you is. see just someone, is he that far Australia, out though? <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, there's
1: not too much going on in this issue. It's pretty straightforward. No, just a just a kind of a straightforward one-off. Yep. As we move into Punisher number twenty, he's in Las Vegas now. The one thing that I took out of this, and we'll kind of get into the story of of the, but. It mentions that uh, Frank's family died 10 years ago, which makes it seem, you know, he's been Punisher for now 10 years on this issue. Right. Or close to it. Well, so I thought that was or, kind of interesting. Was
0: he, uh, did he go to Vietnam after his parents, or after his family died or before?
1: No, he was, he was home. He was oh, okay. home living in He was already a vet. Life. Okay, yeah. I see. Yeah. He was a vet. Yep.
0: Okay. Yep. Yeah, I did notice that 10 years, but I guess Punisher came out, in 78 right like that's when he appeared in spider-man 75. or 75 75 okay. yeah so it's been over 10 years real time but 10 years comic time
1: real time yeah yep
0: i'm surprised they put a date usually they don't usually pin things down like that in the comics
1: yeah they're definitely not doing that these days you know as, as we move on yeah so in fact I mean, frank isn't these days frank isn't even a Vietnam veteran. I mean he's a you know a, a, a the Afghan war desert storm even. I mean he's even well, older for that. Not so, even
0: that. They you know they just recently Mark Wade has a, a mini series that he's doing now called The History of the Marvel Universe. Have you checked that out? Yes, he is, yeah. Yeah. And so Mark has created a new a fake war. Um I can't remember what it's called. I don't have the issue beside me, so I can't check right now but yeah. he's created a fake war that all characters who have been in a past war except for Captain America cuz since since his was he was frozen in ice you can stretch that as long as you want that doesn't matter yeah but when uh, when sergeant fury this is kind of weird when sergeant fury was in the war when reed richards was in the war when logan was in the war when they were all in any any war it was all a war in a, a, a fictional war in some sort of asian country that stretched on for decades okay. it was like a 30 year war which is why punisher can be in that war at the same time as reed richards um oh interesting they they just uh, they've made a retcon saying any references to vietnam are now actually supposed to be references to this which i don't know if i like that it just kind of seems like it defeats the purpose and is um yeah but uh because he's so heavily tied to that specific war, which had a specific purpose and had a specific impact on society um, and, and him. So to, to take that away, like the, the actual Vietnam War away from Frank, I think changes his mission a little bit. But uh, that's, you know, that's what they got to do when you have a, a comic book company that's been around for 50 years. I guess.
1: Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to pick that up. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably pick that up in trade. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's,
0: it's great. Otherwise like it's, it's a fan. The, the artwork is just each page is a masterpiece and the story, the, the, the way he lays out the entire Marvel universe from the beginning of time until now, uh, and even stretching into the future a little bit is, is really, really good. Uh, it's worth picking up.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah, and there's so many just okay. annotations and notes in the back that that reference the, where he gets all he's pulling all of his material from, and yeah, it's it's well done. I just wish it was longer. So, does it, he
1: give ages to these characters? I mean, do they give nope. an age to nope. Peter Parker or anything like that? Nope, doesn't give any ages. Uh, you'll no have ages to, yeah, yeah. you will have to
0: experience it for yourself because he lays it out quite well. He just takes liberties with some of the characters and some of the placements of the storylines. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's keep motoring along here to issue number 20. This one yeah. is, what is this one called? Uh, it's called Bad Tip. Bad Tip. Yeah. So, Frank, um, actually, you you take this one for me.
1: Yeah. So, Frank's in Vegas, uh, and he's looking to look for an assassin who is uh, going to hire a witness or going to gun down a witness for an organized crime boss for a trial. And he is, um, you see him at the Black Deck, blackjack table in the beginning and he wins some money uh very quickly and he goes out to the parking lot and it looks like i don't know how they did this but um the organized crime people have recognized frank and they kind of go after him which is kind of interesting because frank is always so subtle and and you don't know how long they've been watching him or anything like that so i kind of had an issue uh for that i thought that was kind of interesting but well i think that
0: those guys were just after his money were they just after his money? I think okay. they just were going to jump him because he had a whole lot of cash and he declined the security escort out of the out of the place. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's it. The thing the thing about this is that Frank doesn't know what this guy Belzer looks like. So the whole Yeah, Belzer, right. Yeah, Belzer is the guy he's trying to find. He doesn't know what he, this guy looks like and then it turns out that Belzer doesn't know what Frank looks like either. Um, it the whole thing I really liked this story. I thought the whole thing played like a comedy of errors. Uh, he kept on getting into a tight space because of because people think he's not who he says he is, and then he's always like tracking down people trying to find this Belzer guy and the people he he thinks is Belzer are not actually Belzer and, and there's this big mystery and it's playing back and forth and and by the end of it and he says that he he, he even says a couple of times to himself that he's just confused about what's going on. It makes no sense. <laughs> he's just trying to get through it. <laughs> Um and the the my favorite moment is when he tracks finally tracks down Belzer and they have this fight on page 276 in the hotel apartment and Frank yeah. and the Frank knocks him out with a phone and he says Mr. Belzer I presume and the guy says Belzer I'm not Belzer you're Belzer <laughs> and they both think each other are <laughs> Belzer it, Yeah it's just uh, I thought this was really really well thought out all the pieces were were scattered and then they all came together at the end baron did a really good job of laying this one out
1: yeah this was this is good okay i thought my bad i thought belzer was the guy who was after him in the beginning um in the mustache on 268 uh, right that's so that's not him
0: no that's who he he frank thinks that's belzer eventually and, okay got it so okay, that's the guy right. he meets up with okay. in the hotel room and then finds right. out that's not actually belzer
1: okay got it okay and so but, and that's yeah, why belzer that's me, why too. the
0: guy in the mustache was after him because the guy in the mustache thought he was belzer Ugh, <laughs> so, yeah it is a mess but they laid it out really well and in the end it turns out that the the woman he meets at the beginning is actually belzer but it's not a woman it's a man dressed up as a woman and it's just a it's just yeah. a big mess but i i thought it was just a fun thing and then in the end he's just like well, I don't exactly know what happened, but I think it all worked out. <laughs> so he just <laughs> and he walks away.
1: <laughs> yeah. What a mess.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Baron does something different in this issue. He relies heavily on the, the internal monologue in order to keep the story going.
1: He does, yeah.
0: And it's important for this issue because of all of the confusion that's going on. Uh, usually... Uh, we don't hear Frank's internal monologue except at the very beginning when he's bringing us up to speed. But in this one, because yeah. he's so confused throughout the whole issue, uh, we need to hear what he's saying in order to hear him put the pieces together. So that's a, that's something that's different.
1: So what do you think also about Frank not... He only has the skull shirt on in two panels in this whole issue.
0: Yeah, well, and, and the way that... This Anton, no, what's his name? Shia Anton Pensa draws Frank. Yeah, he makes him look very kind of Clark Kentish, almost. Uh, not the, he does. Yeah, it's, it, it's um, yeah, it is only in two panels, and then when he's wearing the red shirt and the sunglasses, he looks like Wonder Man. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: so I it, it's uh, I was it was interesting, definitely to see Frank like not in costume pretty much the whole time it is unusual,
1: yeah, the art style here yeah. reminded me a lot of Mike allred, okay, just like with the wavy hair and yeah, just the color you know, just the way it's written or drawn, so especially on um in the early in the early one when he's in the suit and tie, like on 266 uh when he's in the suit yeah uh at the blackjack table that's very mike looks a lot like mike Allred. yeah right?
0: yeah and mike will tend to draw people with the same like pointy chin and uh yeah the wavy hair for sure yeah, yeah. i can see that yep yeah uh on page 275 um Frank is going into, he's breaking into the hotel room and he says, microchip rigged me up a magnetic key for the new style hotel locks. <laughs> it's hard to imagine that those are new style because you don't get hotel rooms with a key anymore ever. It's always got that. Uh, no, with you can the do it on your street. phone,
1: which is great. My, yep. When I was in Florida, I used my phone as a key, my key, which wow. was awesome. Amazing. That's amazing. That's cool
0: okay oh and one last thing here at the very end frank takes out the bad guy takes out belzer with a bullet to the forehead which for a pg comic i was very surprised to see um that they actually like there's no blood or anything it's a clean wound but there's still like you see the bullet hole right in the forehead
1: oh right in the right right there yeah right between the eyes on, on a bunch of panels. Yeah, you know. it's not
0: just one. Yeah. So
1: when he when he shoots him, and then when the when he falls back, and then lying on the ground, there's yep. a distinct bullet hole right there. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So I thought that was um, definitely a darker take than than even Punisher often gets uh,
1: in mm-hmm. these early years. Yeah.
0: Okay. Atlantis attacks Punisher Annual two.
1: Yes, one of my one of my favorite Punisher covers ever. Oh yeah,
0: with uh Moon with Moon
1: Knight. Oh, I love this cover. Love it.
0: Yeah, I was surprised because it doesn't actually happen in the... It sets me up for disappointment in this issue here, actually.
1: Yeah, it does. It's a surprise. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so Night Fight. This one's called Night Fight. And Punisher meets Moon Knight. This is, again, another part of the annual crossover of, of this year, which is Atlantis Attacks. And you again, you don't have to know what's going on before... Or after, however, this one nothing really gets resolved in this issue because the character, the bad, the main bad guy, kind of sneaks away and has to go to the other annual, so it doesn't have a very satisfying conclusion. But what this issue's main feature is is the uh, the first meeting between Punisher and Moon Knight, and I love the way they first meet because the the cover would have you believe that this is going to be a misunderstanding; they're going to fight, but instead they meet on a moon uh, on the on the rooftop for the first time. And Punisher just says, Moon Knight. And Moon Knight just says, Punisher. And then they shake hands. How you doing? <laughs> it's about time we met. <laughs> it's like, this yeah. is that's perfect. This I love it. This is exactly how the, that, that thing should go. They don't need to have a fight. They're actually very similar in the way that they deal with things. And so it's yeah. wonderful that they team up. And they, they make a good team. Uh, they they, they complement each other very well. But anyway, they unravel a, a plot... Uh, they're both, they both happen to be after the same guy, Ralph Newton, for different reasons. Moon Knight, because he just saw Ralph eat a hamster and it's like, that guy, that's kind of weird. I'm going to check up on this guy. And Frank, because this guy is, he's a, he's a convict of some sort. I can't remember what he said. Uh, I have, uh, been on the trail of Ralph Newton, a junkie who makes a living ripping off old ladies, social security checks. That's what it is. <laughs> so, but it turns out that this uh, Ralph guy has a has a deal turning people into snake creatures, and so again, I think this one doesn't work because we're bringing the supernatural into the Punisher world, which it, it doesn't seem like a the right kind of a fit.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Mark Spector was the one who actually sees Ralph eat the hamster, and that's why he's kind of following him. But yeah. Um, it, You know, in, we're in the middle of part five of this story, uh, so we know it's it's going to be going on. And, yeah, if you're not picking up the other issues, you, you might be kind of lost. But it's, you know, it's what Marvel has been doing. Uh, we saw it with Evolutionary War and everything. But I, I do think the art is really cool yep, uh, totally. in this. That's for sure. You know, the art is coming from uh, Bill Reinhold, who is, you know, fantastic. Lots of dark uh, overtones. Um, I love the... Uh, you know when frank shoots his gun uh, a few times it's that silhouette with just the pop of the uh, the the flash coming out of the um yeah of the gun uh which is really great to see we saw it on uh 293 um with an uzi and then we see it again on page 300 uh a few times on page 300 and 306 um, you see it Three o six, we do, yeah.
0: Three o seven, yeah. Just all, of, yeah. Oh, 306.
1: You... yeah. With oh, with Madame Hydra in the background there. Oh, I love it, yeah. So or a uh, 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 Viper, I'm sorry, Viper, yeah. Um, so it's great, great to see. So, and uh, Viper, she's always been one of my favorite. You know, as, as sexy as she is, and as mysterious as she is, yeah. Uh, she's just a, a classic villain, um, and she gets Frank. Uh, there's no doubt about it, and you know she wants to turn, and the the whole Serpent uh, Society deal I guess it's serpent society DC I always get my serpents no nope, serpent up.
0: society is marvel
1: yeah yeah it's marvel right Yep. <laughs> yeah so they she gets frank and she turns him into a uh uh you know the, the snake creature I guess it is um and Moon knight has got to save frank and everything so he kind of how long is he out for when he comes up um uh, is it a couple days a few or days something? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. yeah he is oh two days two he's days. out for two days um so you know when, when Frank kind of wakes up, I mean, there's not much to the story other than a, a fight and um, Viper gets Frank, and that was my it main just problem. Which is the story along? Yeah, yeah,
0: I really liked it up until they get to the clinic, and then the story just stops. Yeah, and, and there's a yeah. there's a fight, and the fight is enjoyable. And then, but nothing happens. There's no resolution because it happens, the resolution happens in the next issue. But it's like it's not even yeah. going to be resolution with Punisher or Moon Knight. It's continued in Spider Man. So we're not going to see these characters. And it's kind of, that's it's too bad. It kind of gets de- derailed yep. partway through there.
1: You know, I used to, going back to Evolutionary War, I had that omnibus and I had this omnibus, uh, but I never got around to reading them. Um, so. Just as a thought, do you think that Marvel will release these? I guess they already have in trade. some of these in trade paperbacks, haven't they?
0: Um, uh, and these two stories in particular, I don't think that they have.
1: Yeah. So do you think they're going to do that in some sort of epic collection or a, a trade of some sorts? Or I could see them do it in a trade. Is there any word on that? I don't think that we'll see.
0: Yeah like every part of a Evolutionary War in one epic collection, because that would be the entire, that would be a full epic collection. Well,
1: but, yeah, it would be the omnibus and trade paperback. Yeah, form,
0: well, exactly, yeah. I, I can't see that happening. Yeah. They they would probably, I bet they do it in two fat trades as a, I don't know, maybe okay. they might call it a complete collection or something, but hasn't happened yet. They haven't announced that yet.
1: Um, yeah, because I mean, yeah. the, the other one they did was um, like the system bites, and that was only four issues. Or, so they had these, Lifeform was four issues, that was a mini series. And all um, of those so ones are very long.
0: Yeah, those ones do get collected in Epic yeah. collections in full because they're not that long. Uh, and also, okay, they don't, yeah. um, some of those ones continue like more heavily than these ones do. These ones are fairly standalone stories, so they don't need to add any more parts into the Epic collection. It would just kind of bog it down. Okay, that's my opinion at least. All right. Okay, so next story in here, uh, as I was saying before, Micro gets uh, his own solo story in each of these annuals, and so this is his solo story, Dark Seeker. Micro helps out a restaurant owner who is kidnapped for not paying the protection money, Um, and just like the last issue, Micro gets involved because of the woman that's uh, that's there, the the daughter. And I guess he goes to this restaurant often. So he know, he kind of knows the family. And there's actually a pretty sad backstory about all of the refugees are trying to flee the country and trying to get yeah. to Malaysia on these sh- ships. And there's like, they're loaded up with hundreds and hundreds of people on these small boats and they run out of food and the passing by ships don't want them. And they start at one point, they they're so hungry. They start eating, like killing and eating people and, it's just kind of horrific and I'm sure that Mike Barron had pulled that from headlines of some sort as well because that kind of stuff that kind of refugee like mass mass exodus did happen at a certain point Mm -hmm. um but I mean it's it's a short story I don't like it as much as the first one but again micro gets in in there and does his punisher thing and is quite effective at his at at what he does he's got some good tech and uh yeah saves the day in the end
1: yeah this is a good story um it seems it all happens in one evening i think so yeah or no a couple a couple of days is yeah it? or something like that but um yeah i really i did like this story. i liked I yeah i i was kind of i mean i can't really choose between the, this micro story and the last one um as far as you know which is better i think they're just different yeah so it's true Mm -hmm. i do like at the end but it's good to see micro getting his uh his uh due for sure do like that definitely and he has a mic he has a mini series of his own at some point right he does um and that's never been collected i actually own that yeah so it's the origin of microchip do you know what
0: year that is
1: oh i'd have to look it up because i i'm hoping that it'll be in a i hope they will include it in an epic collection at some point Oh, that would be interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, all these little, um, these little miniseries. Yeah, because yeah, they so. do that kind of thing. Um, I'll, you, and I'm just
0: thinking about this right now. This Punisher epic doesn't have any graphic novel stories in it.
1: No, it doesn't. Yeah,
0: the other ones that we read had like two or three each, and uh, and the next one that's coming out, volume five, has a bunch of them, a bunch of graphic novel stories as well. But for some reason, in this year. These couple of years that is collected here, they didn't do any of the Punisher graphic novels.
1: Yeah, uh, Origin of Microchip two-issue series uh, came out in 1993. 93, okay.
0: I I betcha they will include that in a Punisher epic whenever they release those years. That would be great. Yeah, that'd be very cool. Okay, one last story in this annual called Punisher's Fighting Techniques, notable because of Jim Lee artwork. Mm -hmm. Um, He was already drawing... Um Punisher War Journal at this time.
1: Oh, which I wanted to bring that up. So War Journal came along uh during issue fifteen of uh, the Kingpin, uh Kingpin rules. Mm-hmm. So the second issue. So uh the same month as issue fifteen was the Punisher War Journal number one. Right. Uh great pinup as well. Yeah, very nice and by Todd Smith. Pin-ups.
0: Yep. And then yeah. yeah, one by John Bogdanov.
1: Yeah, I love that one with Wolverine. Yeah. That's a fantastic one.
0: And then a completely random and I <laughs> ch- chapter of the saga of the Serpent Crown. Um, I, I think it was. I can't remember if it was uh, an issue of Silver uh, Silver Surfer Epic Collection or something. I've I've done an episode where we tackled an Atlantis attack story already, and it just made th- these make no sense unless I guess you're reading them all together. <laughs> I'm sure it would be really interesting. Peter Sanderson writes this. and He's got a, an incredible mm-hmm. mind for piecing together Marvel history. And I bet that when you read all of these Serpent Crown uh, issues together, that they, it would be a really interesting read. But just reading one page is kind of useless. I, and yeah. I'm glad that they put it in the epic because I like the fact that they include the annuals as a whole so we can see how the, the annuals were put together. Yes, but it makes no sense otherwise to put it in this epic collection <laughs> okay um, moving on uh, we have just before we get into this issue in the epic collection there's a couple of um, of covers from Overstreet Price Guide and the series called Wolverine Punisher A Bad Night for Ninjas now is that a is that just a poster or is that a comic a miniseries no Bad that's Night just a poster ninjas? okay yeah that's okay. just a poster it yeah. looks cool
1: but I, I think it's interesting that they have, you know, we, we saw the, um, where, the the pinup with uh, Wolverine and Punisher, and then all three of these from Overstreet, and then the poster from Jim Lee is uh, Wolverine and Punisher. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so They kind of kept the yeah. theme going. Yeah, yeah the one
0: is, that's right, that's cool. Okay, issue 21, this is the first issue with Eric Larson.
2: Kind of a weird sequence of events that ended with me getting the, Stuff that I ended up getting because I was. I, I initially had left DC Comics where I was doing a, a book over there and was offered the Punisher. And it was like, oh, okay, I'll do the Punisher. And then it, as soon as I got on, I, I was like, this could not be a worse fit for me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it's like everything about this is not working. I'm, I'm not real good with, with drawing hardware, I'm not real good with drawing vehicles. And, okay. and it's like, I, I really want to do that sort of bombastic uh, guys getting knocked through walls kind of stuff and, and high energy stuff. And it's like, I, this this book doesn't lend itself particularly well to that sort of thing. Right. <laughs> wow. It's like, oh, we want you to draw these locations and it's got to be this kind of thing. And all of it was like, holy crap. I, I couldn't be less well suited to be doing this.
1: Yeah. So we kind of mentioned earlier, you know, a, uh, with Punisher starting in in Kingpin Rules, how it starts one place and then at the end of five issues, it goes into a totally different direction. So yeah. if you're you. reading the boxer, <laughs> it's it's you know, you wouldn't think that it w- it's going to end where it ends. And uh, but sure enough, these issues from twenty one to twenty five all fit together in a really weird way. Uh, but they do. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's um, very loose, in fact. Very loose, but I love, what's great is Eric Larson's work here. It is just so great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even did the cover for um, for The Boxer, which is, I just love the cover here with uh, the Punisher uh, uh, wife beater t-shirt on and everything. Yep, yep. So it's just fantastic. So um, he's in the boxing ring, and he's getting beat up, and... He's got that, you know, Rocky look, but I, I just love, uh, Larson's pencils on this and it's great. But Frank is looking to bring, uh, to justice, uh, a box, a shady boxing promoter. Uh, and that's kind of how this story starts and he kind of, you know, gets in the ring and he, he, he wants to kind of establish, uh, who he is. Um, and, uh, so he goes to this boxing ring and, uh, I guess what would you say the, uh, the Mike Tyson of the training facility is under the wing of this dude. What the heck's his name? I uh, just lost his name. Um, Daniels. Daniels, yeah, Les Daniels. And he is the boxing promoter that Frank wants to uh, wants to bring down. And uh, he Frank even gets in the ring with this guy to spar with him for a, a couple hundred bucks. And of course, Frank gets his butt kicked. And I think he, I think Frank knew he was going to get his butt kicked. But he, you know, to to earn respect and to get into the into the game he uh he's got to do what he's got to do right and he actually goes out for drinks uh with this boxer guy what's the boxer's name um bj bj yes bj yeah they keep calling so, him
0: old timer they keep calling punisher old timer in this one and i think this yes. this goes along with um the note about him having been punisher for 10 years mm-hmm. i think that if you are a, a vietnam vet Let's say you were you were training in the military out of high school. You spent some time in the service through your twenties, and maybe you're in your late twenties. You are raising a family, and his kids have got to be like in the pictures that they show. They look like they're like I don't know eight, eight or eight and six, maybe yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're not young kids. So he spent another you know ten years of marriage. And yeah. now he's been Punisher for ten years. That places him maybe in his late forties.
1: Yeah, Frank has always been perpetually in his in his forties.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Pretty much. Yeah.
0: So he is an old timer in in the boxing world. That's for sure. So that's that's interesting. I found also interesting Baron's views on boxing because I think I really mm-hmm. feel like he's injecting his his personal opinions. On this sport here, which are fine. Uh, It's just kind of, I found it kind of weird. He says, boxing is a sport that won't go away no matter how loud and how long the liberals bray. (laughs) It won't go away because it's an essential part of human nature. Men are animals. Animals fight. It's stupid to ignore this and hope that somehow men will come to their senses. Boxing ennobles innate aggression. Um, It provides a set of rules and a moral context to permit that which is desirable, even beautiful to emerge, grace, speed, precision, rhythm, and ultimately art. And I, I get that, that sense right there, the last paragraph, because that's kind of the, the aspect of martial arts coming out. But mm-hmm. it's, it's the whole part of men are animals, it's human nature, they're, they're born to fight and it. Why deny them that fact, let them do it, kind of that attitude. I, I can't say personally that I've ever had a desire to fight, like I'm just no. not wired that way, I guess. Right. So I found that a little bit unusual, but you know it it works for the story because I I think that's that's what Punisher Punisher is that raw untapped aggression that uh, that he that yes. he uses and he points that toward just ca- or noble causes, um, but it's still there. But to to blanket all men as having that that nature, I think, is not quite accurate.
1: Right, and and just sticking with that, you know, the boxing is, it's not going away, it's even evolving into something even more brutal these days. That's true, know. yeah, so. it's um,
0: yeah, MMA yeah. and all that, yeah, true. Yeah. I mentioned earlier that uh, Scott Williams changes the style of artwork, and you can definitely see, these are definitely Eric Larson poses and faces in here, but there's just some times where it feels like um, like Scott Williams. Did I say Al Williamson earlier? I meant Scott Williams.
1: No, you said Scott. Okay, yeah.
0: good. Where Scott Williams puts in his own style, a lot of the a lot of the backgrounds or a lot of the, the the way he does his shading just feels like Scott. And then there's other times where it's very very distinctly Eric. So if you go to page three fifty two, this mm-hmm. close up of Frank's face here, it's definitely yeah. an Eric Larson face, but it's Scott Williams shading. Um, Eric Larson doesn't usually shade like that. He, he has a much thicker brush strokes and um, and Al Williams will do much more wispy kind of lines. Scott so, Williams. So Scott Williams. I keep, <laughs> I keep <laughs> making that mistake. So, yeah, Scott Williams uh, has much more wispy kind of lines. Yeah.
1: Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. good Good stuff.
0: Yeah. So through this, the, the linchpin of this whole of this whole five issues is a blink and you'd miss it kind of moment Punisher it is he's got this toxin this paralyzing toxin in him and he's yeah. watching the boxing match on TV and um, Simpson BJ goes down in the fight and Simpson wins which is what the fix was supposed to be they wanted Simpson to win-hmm and he realizes that uh, the, the girl um, Iris, the girl that he's been—that's uh, like, I don't know. She just seems like a floozy in this in this story. Yeah, she's probably poisoned, poisoned Bj, and so he's going to go after Iris. Mm-hmm. And I had, so I had to reread this a few times to figure out what's the big deal with Iris and why is he going following after her. I I had no idea why she was so important that he needed to track her down, and and it's not obvious. I had to. I had to really work for that information.
1: Mm-hmm. After he he gets uh, the boxing promoter, and he he gets drugged up too. Frank kind of gets him, and uh, you know, on the floor in in Iris' apartment is uh, is a uh, flyer for the Scully's Ninja Training Camp, and it's just kind of be there. So uh, he's gonna he's gonna go, and it's in it's in Solomon, Kansas, of all places. Yeah. So he's gonna go to this. Uh, ninja training camp and you're like ninja training camp you know so does it explain why iris has this ninja training camp uh flyer uh oh
0: yeah what is the explanation she is there it comes
1: up on the tv earlier i remember that yeah. um there is a Oh connection. the drugs yeah there is
0: the yeah <laughs> and this is your, what i mean when girl, i said yet yeah.
1: Your girl Iris has graduated from the University of Las Vegas with a degree in pharmacology. <sighs> Maybe I'll brush up on a little toxicology myself. I'm looking at this. And uh, Scully's ninja training camp, so she is there. So it seems like yeah. – the are the ninjas now drug lords, I think? No, they're not. They're just ninja guys. And so this
0: is the thing. They're just this ninjas. Is, this is how yeah. – and they're not even really ninjas. That This is why this is a, such a weird story, because the the, the yeah. ways that these issues are tied together is so very, very loose. And yeah. but, but Baron does it, and it's not uh, a tightly fitting plot like the Kingpin story. Frank is really just going along for the ride and meets up with people that lead him in different directions in each one of these issues. So... In this one, issue 22, it's called Ninja Training Camp. He signs up for the Ninja Training Camp. Yeah. And right away, we figure, like, this is a weird camp because, first of all, there's no Asian people in this Ninja Training Camp at all. <laughs> and <laughs> and this this guy sends Frank to a random bar in the middle of Kansas for initiation, and these thugs are going to beat him up. And it turns out one of the thugs actually is Scully. The, the camp is... Uh, is a training camp where you learn not just ninja moves, but how to use guns. And people are very suspect of the credentials of this guy. And Frank is like, what's going on? Um, I can't say that I like this issue very much at all. It was no. It wasn't. It wasn't. It, it was just so weird, especially coming off of the boxing one, which was actually kind of enjoyable. Uh, this one yeah. was like, "Why are we here?" It just seems so weird and so out of place. And like these, these, this bald white guy is a is a ninja, and and Frank is even Frank is like, "This guy's not a very good ninja." He's like he he's, <laughs> he just points out all this stuff. So obviously something's going on. Um, and Frank ends up sneaking into the the guy's house to find the files and finds that there is a file on Iris. So Iris has some sort of connection to the ninja uh, the ninja th- the training. She's been here. She's gone through the training and um, he's going to find her address or something, but instead he decides to blow up. He gets caught and is going to blow up the, the house and just has to go on from there. It just, it just, I don't know it was it was strange and it's in stark contrast to the very next issue which i think might be my favorite issue of this book
1: oh really yeah. interesting yeah yeah the firefight one 23 yes.
0: yep why mm-hmm. is that because i the whole thing is frank um trying to get away from these three guys so do you have anything more you want to say about the last issue or can we no, move no, on no 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 keep going okay. this, is, this so, is good stuff yeah yeah this one's called capture the flag so frank has just um, part of the ninja training is that these guys have sent all of the, the, their training, the guys that are enrolled in to survive just out in the wilderness with nothing in the middle of the night. So Frank took that opportunity to find these files and blow up that house. And so now these guys are mad. There's three of them and they are all going to use their ninja training to take out Frank. And the entire issue is Frank sneaking around Rambo style and trying to take these guys out. I love First Blood. I think that movie is absolutely fantastic. And this is a lot like that. Of Frank, on the run from these guys that are trying to kill him, trying his best to survive. And I think it's played out really, really well. I love just him hearing how he goes about taking out these guys one at a time and... He teams up with another guy and the two of them, you know, try to uh, take them out as well. And I just thought it was, it was just a, it's action the entire time. It's light on story because it's only Frank's just trying to escape these guys. And I just had a great time reading it. I really, really liked it. What did you think I could of this see issue? That. Yeah,
1: for sure. I did. I liked it. It was, yeah, I, I like it now that I have got an explanation and that's why I like your podcast. Okay. Good. <laughs> so, you know, you, yeah, no, absolutely. Cause if you just, I read it and I was just kind of reading it along and I kind of read this more of, you know, the boxer led into the training camp and the training camp led into this one. And now yeah. these, all three of these culminate with the Shadow Master showing right. up the next two issues. Yes, it's true. So that's kind of how I took it. You know, and, It's just a, and, step, um,
0: a stepping stone leading kinda, to
1: that. These three are all intertwined, but they're all individual stories, whereas yeah. this brings it into the last two are really – the last two almost work as one big uh, comic book. Right, and the you last know, you one always, is even double-sized. You size. could throw the last two as any – right, you could see it as a 64-page double-sized book. Yeah. You know, you could. And that's why this story is kind of a weird one, because it goes into so many directions. But at the end of this one, Frank gets a uh, gets a note and he is invited to Japan, which is interesting. And the next one, uh, issue 24, uh, guest starring the Shadow Masters. But before we get into that, uh, if you want some continuity, this story from number 23, we already know who the Shadow Masters are from their uh, showing up in – they first showed up in Punisher War Journal. Right. And then they had their four-issue miniseries. So the four-issue miniseries also takes place before Punisher number 24. There is a trade paperback uh, that just came out last year or so uh, regarding Punisher and the Shadow Masters. So if you're interested in getting the full story, pick up up that trade paperback, um, which includes this 24 and 25 as well. Is it a, mm-hmm.
0: and you you enjoy the miniseries, the Shadow Masters? Mini-series? I, did, I have
1: not read the I did not read the miniseries uh, for oh, okay. this podcast, but I have it, um, and it's only uh, it's kind of like their backstory. Yeah. But from what I remember, it's a it's a pretty good series, and yeah. it's one of those been a long time coming because they've never reprinted it, so it's still available. And if you're interested, uh, I highly recommend picking it up.
0: Now, there is a, a Venom miniseries by Karl Potts called Venom the Mace. And I did an episode about this a while back. And the Mace happens to be a character that has ties to the origins of Shadow Masters. And uh, in that miniseries, the the oh, bad guys, Eternal... What are they called? The Eternal Sun. Are Eternal after Sun. him. Yep. And then so i looked into i was digging in, into it deeper and you got to listen to the episode to kind of get the full explanation of what i found but they, there's a marvel comics presents story by carl potts that is basically the origin of the shadow masters that never really gets told in any of these shadow mm. masters stories so kind of kind of interesting and they did not include it in that trade paperback
1: for some reason Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. So I don't own that trade paperback because I have the original issues. Right, right. Uh,
0: Well, let's go into um, issue 24 here, the Shadow Masters. One of the things we found out is that the guy Scully, the guy who owns that ninja training camp, uh, claimed to be in possession or know the technique of some sort of super secret, super ninja technique that only one other person knows. And so there is this girl, this ninja, that's infiltrated the camp. It turns out it's the daughter of the guy who originated that technique, and mm-hmm. uh he's been she's been sent to see if if Scully actually knows it so anyway, mm-hmm. Punisher is now called to Japan because the guy who originated that technique um what what's his name Yakamoto Yakamoto He wants mm-hmm. Frank to start up his own ninja training school, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, and um, and uh, he wants to train him in this art of this super secret ninja move. Uh,
1: when you read this, these are one of my two favorite stories of the of the book. Yeah. Here. And when you read this, uh, and if if you're reading this and you know a lot about Wolverine, you know Wolverine has got a wonderful history in Japan. Yeah. And you're almost like, well, why didn't this guy contact Wolverine? You know, because. <laughs> You know, Wolverine has been around ninjas. You know, just Frank Miller just loves ninjas. <laughs> and it's That's like, right. You know, you know why are they having Frank here? So it's kind of interesting um, the dynamic, and you know that it's almost like you, you know it's the worthiness of it. Like Logan's not worthy of it, but Frank is worthy of it, which which is kind of funny because Frank does yeah. not uh, strike me as a ninja. Well, but, he even uh, definitely says himself, uh, Logan does?
0: Yeah, um, he does. Yeah, Frank's like, yeah. Yeah, I'm not the right guy for this job. <laughs> <laughs> it's, right, right. And, and and that's exactly what Logan would say too. They both are, are loners as well and, and are not although Wolverine then goes on to, you know, be a school teacher at
1: Xavier's, so kind of gets into the He does, role which is a actually. funny that's a that's a great story. Yeah. I love that uh, X Men and the Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wolverine and the X Men. But even Frank says I'm I'm four sixteen, you know, I can't be responsible for any students. <laughs> you know, he just knows that <laughs> he is not the guy uh, to do this, you know, but. Okay, guy, um, Um,
0: you should know that people die when they're around me. So you don't want to put me in a classroom full of students.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. right. I've done that. I've done that (laughs) dance before. (laughs) It doesn't work out.
0: It'll just end in death. Yeah. 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 So through the course of this issue, um, he finds out they track down, um, kind of the person, um, behind the, this, this, uh, what is it? The, it's not oh, behind the eternal sun, right? And it's Iris yes. green. Uh-huh. Iris green turns out to be one of the major players in the eternal sun.
1: So yeah, which this, is very interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because she was just the kind of the, the big haired bimbo at the beginning of this story here didn't think anything of it but she's actually um one of the higher up people in the organization yeah so that was a nice twist kind of brings so it the all story it all and she's comes around. together
1: she's wearing almost looks like you know on the cover of 25 she's wearing that almost like the same you know uh very revealing outfit um that she was wearing in the casinos yeah <laughs> so just kind of interesting
0: so. definitely Um, I I really like Eric Larson's work through this issue here. The next issue is giant-sized, and there's a bunch of times when you can see that Eric was rushing through drawing the issue. But he puts a lot of attention into this particular issue here, number um, 24. And you can see I love page 419. The helicopter looks just great. And that is an excellent explosion. I really like the way he did that explosion there on four oh, that's on four nineteen. Yes, yeah.
1: I, I totally agree. Um, so, yeah. and he
0: does a great job of portraying all of the the, the masked ninja in white in the snow. And um, there's just a lot of care and attention put into this issue. I found. And then the next one, um, because it's double sized, especially once we get toward the end, he relies more on bigger pictures with sparser backgrounds in order to fill up his page count okay. and get him through yeah. things pretty quickly. So, uh, mm-hmm. do you want to take us through the last issue here? Oh, and you know what? You know how I've been making a mistake with Al Williamson and Scott Williams? Al Williamson yeah. is the inker of this last issue. It's actually Al Williamson, not Scott Williams. Oh, he is? <laughs> he is.
1: So Wait, I uh, didn't catch that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Al
1: Williamson inks. Al yeah, Williamson is sure. the
0: inks. So, there you go. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So, Frank, you know, he he's kind of surprised to see that Iris is, is the... Head of the Eternal Sun, or, or one of the the players of the Eternal Sun, and he's got um uh what's the name of the girl that he is with um uh, the
0: the ninja the you, daughter Catherine the,
1: the daughter what is what is it I think it's just Catherine Catherine
0: it's okay, not Catherine. A, it's not a and, Japanese yeah and name. they
1: are right. And they are doing surveillance on Iris Green um, and just how uh, she has uh, been around and, and living all this time. And uh, they they go to the, the blonde haired kid. Um, he infiltrates. Um, he's part of the uh, he's one of the shadow, the masters. shadow masters, yeah. too. Right. Yeah. So he he infiltrates the building and kind of blows it up and, and Punisher and, and uh, Catherine said, let's go. And they're going to go in there and uh, just kind of defeat uh, iris as as best they can and uh, just a, a massive fight ensues and uh just trying to take down the eternal sun i love the explosion on uh 445 as well i think that is yep. uh, you kind of alluded to the big explosions earlier yes um but i thought it was i thought this is a great uh issue um and really that just and, and now they're back in iris is back in washington and there's just everything's pissing her off and it really just comes down to you know her revenge on frank and the shadow masters and she uh actually kills uh catherine's father uh Yam- yamamoto ya- Yakamoto. Yakamoto, yeah Yakamoto, yeah so um it's just uh how how does she meet her demise i forget um
0: she gets in a big um, fight with um with catherine and catherine and iris have to kind catherine. of uh have to work it all out. And then she gets caught in this big explosion in the warehouse. Yep. In like the second to last page. And yeah, so it all comes to a head here. I I don't know, like my problem with this, the, the end of this issue is nothing. Frank's whole reason is to find Iris because she poisoned the boxer. And at the end, he finally finds Iris, but nothing gets resolved of that at all he like she dies and i guess maybe that's what he wants but it's for no like baron doesn't tie it back to the beginning of the story at the end and i found that weird
1: yeah that's interesting how yeah it doesn't seem like anything gets really resolved
0: no i don't nothing really does i mean he stops the the eternal sun operation with the huge jet and whatnot but yeah, it just it's like, and then it then it ends, and he, and then Catherine disappears, and he's left standing, and and then it just stops. It's it's just such a strange ending, which is it's interesting because it, it's just kind of this issue is, other than a few scenes, it's pretty much wall to wall action, and it's a double sized issue, and it's like fast paced the entire time the it reads really really well it's a lot of fun there's a, there's great espionage there's great great action but then i feel like it just doesn't end very well
1: yeah do you think it ends in a whimper then or it just it's well it's, it's not a whimper because there's a huge here, explosion you know? <laughs> it's well, kind of true, a whimper but it, it it's yeah. a, it's
0: a sad note because Punisher's kind of developed feelings for, for um, Catherine, the, the girl ninja who he's, who's he's who been in the past few issues. And she just disappears. Yeah. Now that the work is done, she's off to do something else and he's just left standing. And uh, I don't know, there's a sense of emptiness and loneliness in Punisher's life because of it. And I, th- I think maybe that's it's, it's, it's accentuated because we don't get any conclusion to the Iris story. Um, as far as yeah. the boxing part is concerned, so we're kind of left just as confused as Punisher is, or at least I am.
1: No, you're right. And in, in Shadow Masters, you know, they really haven't used them since this era, which is really too bad because I really think they're a cool group, and they they could be brought back if they if if somebody would want to. Yeah. So, so.
0: this serves as the end of their story. This this uh thing right here.
1: I guess because this they, is it, as yeah. far as I know. They, I mean, um, they've taken out the
0: Eternal Sun, so I guess this is the end of their story.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you know their other issues, um, but no, that was it. Just you know, they've got these uh, couple of issues, the Punisher War Journal stuff, and then their own Shadowmasters uh, mini, huh. and that's that's it. So
0: yeah, it's just kind of sad. It so, is. Yeah, <laughs> that's too bad. Well I'm interested because I think these characters were neat, the Shadow Masters. I am interested in yeah. checking out that trade, so I'll probably see if I can find a copy of that and um and give it a read because I uh, I'm intrigued to know more about them and theirs their story.
1: hmm Um what do you think of the uh the extras and we have here? It's just a lot of promotional art, a lot of pinups I love the fact that they kept in uh, a lot of the Punisher magazine covers. Yeah,
0: because those are cool covers. So
1: I, I love it. You know, I, I, the, the Punisher magazine one with uh, Jim Lee is one of my favorites of all time. Um, when I reviewed the Punisher Omnibus uh, on YouTube uh, a couple of years ago, I went over all of these um, pinups and everything. And this was a cover that I, I definitely highlighted. I just love that cover. Yeah, with the lightning um, in
0: the background. Looks very cool.
1: Exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's very Batman esque cover, yeah. um, and even the Bob Larkin cover with the explosion behind Frank. It's just some great stuff. So I own all the Punisher magazines, and they're just a lot of fun. Cool.
0: Now, is that a lot of new content, yep. or is it all reprints?
1: No, it's all reprints. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all reprints, and they do have got some interviews in them and, and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it just it's just yeah, a lot of a lot of it's. They're pretty thin magazines, um, but they're oversized. They're like, uh, I guess they're. You know, regular magazine size and not comic book size, right? Uh, which is nice to have bigger heart. But the covers are really wonderful.
0: Yeah, it's a shame though if you turn the page, and they got they have pinups from the Punisher magazine, but they're four to a page, and it really doesn't do this justice. Because these some of these are really cool images, and it would be great to see them actual full size.
1: Yeah, you can find Punisher magazines um, on eBay. They, always, they you can you can get a full run, and I think there's. 18 issues 16 issues something like that okay um they're not they're not too hard to find you can get them at comic book conventions or an ebay or or third party sites so they're they're nice if if you're a punisher completist like i am uh you'll want to have them
0: hmm. uh, and there's an afterword mm-hmm. by ralph macchio written specifically for this epic collection where he he basically just praises uh these issues in this book um because he loves them so much
1: Are these afterwards becoming standard? Do you see them more and more in these epic collections? They were standard for a while, but
0: I haven't seen very many in the ones that have come out in the last few months. So I think, I don't know if it was a temporary thing or not, but they have been showing up more regularly, which is nice. It's great to have. I I like them including old interviews, but it's nice to have some new material as well. Ralph Macchio doesn't usually go into a whole lot of in-depth detail or anything like that in his afterwards though. Um, so they're not as interesting as some of the other interviews. Yeah. But that's it. That's epi- that's episode three. That's volume three. We've now covered... That uh, is it. The first 25 issues of Punisher's ongoing series. And uh, the next epic collection to be released is actually... They're skipping over volume four because the epic collections release things out of order. They're actually going to go to ep- um, volume five next. So I'm torn i don't know this material very well so i would have to ask you chris do you think we should talk about volume five next or should we wait until volume four comes out which who knows when that's going to come out
1: right i mean the way these are coming out it looks like they're coming out every year uh for frank
0: and if they don't do volume four next, it could be two years, three years down the road before we see volume four.
1: Exactly. So, um, you know, let's wait and see what happens with like the the spring catalog. With you know, Hatchet always got a has a good uh, eye on, on what's coming out. Okay. Or Amazon. So the next one comes out in late February, almost early March. So we can kind of wait wait and see for that. So. Well,
0: then, how about the next time that you're on the show? Because I don't really want to wait. A full year before talking about Punisher again why don't we tackle Punisher War Journal that first volume the Carl Potts Jim Lee trade like it's pretty much an epic sized trade Uh, yeah we can do that that'd be great yeah I think that'd be really cool I'd really like to read that stuff and talk to you about it so why don't we plan on okay. that, Punisher War Journal.
1: Okay, perfect. Okay,
0: awesome. Well, I want to thank everybody for checking out our episode, and uh, don't forget to uh, check out Chris at the Collected Comics Library. He's got a great show over there. And you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, any websites or any handles you want to throw out there, Chris?
1: Uh, just You can just do a, a search for Collected Comics Library, and I'll show up. Uh, I keep my show notes over at... First Comics News, but you can find my podcast on uh, Spotify or Pocket Cast or Apple Podcasts, wherever your finer podcasts can be found. So thanks, Curtis. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, not a problem. Uh, And so, yeah, everybody, um, you stay tuned for more Chris in the future. And uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next episode.